Hey, pardon my take, listeners. You can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. On today's part of my take, game one of the NBA Finals, what a fourth quarter by the Celtics. We're going to recap that. It is old school, me, PFT, Hank, and, and Bubba, just the four of us in the room. Uh, the other guys are up doing the PLL stuff in Albany. We have Richard Jefferson on the show. We have Meatball Molly, which Molly the Meatball, which was an awesome interview. Great show coming for you. And uh, we finish up with Firefest, and we're brought to you by our friends at Visible. What would you do with extra money you'd save by switching to Visible? You could pay $60 with some carriers or as little as $25 a month with Visible. With the extra money, you could take someone on a date or maybe just live your single life and buy yourself dinner. Speaking of singles, who was the single most visible player of the night, PFT? Big Al. Al Horford. Yep. What a guy. Incredible performance by him. All-time Al performance. All-time Big Al performance. Six for eight from three. Uh, Crazy, crazy game from him and the entire Celtics in the fourth quarter. We want to hear who your single most visible player or play was in the last game. And we're giving away some PMT signed basketball jerseys to AWLs who tag PMT and visible on Instagram and Twitter with their submission. Make sure to tag us both uh, for your chance to win. Please do that because Visible is our presenting sponsor and we love Visible. Switch to Visible at Visible.com slash pod and get unlimited single line wireless for as low as $25 a month. Comparison to a single line with unlimited data at other major carriers. For plan and network details, see Visible.com slash pod. Okay, let's go. Welcome to Pardon My Take, presented by Visible. Go to visible.com slash pod and get unlimited single line wireless for as low as $25 a month. Also, if you tag us and Visible on Instagram and Twitter and say who your most visible player of the night was, you can win a signed basketball jersey from us to the AWL, so go check that out. Thank you to Visible for being our presenting sponsor. Today is Friday, uh, June, June 3rd. Gemini. June 3rd, and holy fuck, the Boston Celtics just laid a whoop-ass on the Warriors in that fourth quarter. Hank, only, I mean, you go ahead, You're you're the star of the show. You were dead. You were dead, then PFT brought you back to life with washed Oreos, and how are you feeling? I'm absolutely elated. I'm I'm floating on cloud nine. I, I really don't even believe what happened. I was I was so down. I, I was starting to not even watch the game, covering my my ears with my my hands because I just couldn't watch anymore. And then PFT, my savior, my guardian angel, came over and he said, "Here, have an Oreo." And he handed it out to me. And they said, "Wait." Took out his water. He said, "Let me, you know, moist, moisten it, it up it. for oh, you." Yeah, he washed it for you. He now, washed it. Now handed said- it to me, and it it just hit the spot. And then the Celtics. Flip the switch and just dominate. I, I put some stank on that Oreo for you too. Extra water. 
No, Hank was dead. You Hank, it? Oh, Hank no. was he was passed out on the couch. He looked like he was getting the spins. He looked like he was bringing back planking. And I came back and I I thought our dear boy, what has happened? What have they done to my boy? And uh, it was good to see Russ from the. I actually looked up the score since the washed Oreo. The Celtics went on a fifty-four to twenty-eight run. Yeah, it was nuts. Forty to sixteen in the fourth quarter. It was. It, I mean, the Warriors after like a crazy third quarter where the Warriors yeah, were like thirty-nine to fourteen. Yeah, the the Warriors felt like they had everything going. Steph Curry was incredible. First quarter hit six threes, which is I think it tied a record um, for a quarter, and it looked like it was going to be the Warriors' night. And then the Celtics came out in the fourth, could not miss. They started seven for seven from three. Al Horford, Derek White, um, who else? I mean, Peyton Pritchard. They were just hitting everything, and their defense was incredible. Like they completely locked down the Warriors. The Warriors couldn't do anything. I have a little, uh, I have a question for you, Hank. A little subtle thing that Ime Udoka did going into the fourth quarter. Did you realize that Marcus Smart didn't check back into the fourth quarter? Till there was three forty-seven left, he like he basically was like, "We're gonna come back, but we have to do it as a team, not with one guy." And it worked. Like they played team ball, and also I don't understand what the Warriors were doing, where like Peyton Pritchard was on Steph Curry because Marcus Smart was on the bench, and they didn't attack Peyton Pritchard the entire fourth quarter. It was crazy. Like they they just didn't. They, I don't know why they didn't attack him. Yeah, I mean, but he basically let them have Marcus Smart on the bench because he's obviously the best, you know, perimeter defender. Yeah, I mean, Marcus Smart on the bench just chomping at the bit. I feel like that's not a bad coaching strategy for a guy like Marcus Smart. Like, have him on on leash, and you're like, hey, all right, sick him, and then let him loose like a dog, and let him out there and let him go out there and fuck shit up. And that probably wasn't like the play. He probably wasn't like, oh, we got to keep Marcus Smart on the bench. He probably was saying. We started the fourth quarter. Look how good we're playing. Let's not mess this it's a, up. It's nobody moves. Yeah, situation. right. Like and whatever's going on right now, we're, we're going to keep this as is. But it they, works. But it's also it's it's cool to see Marcus when he jumps off the bench because he does provide that spark. And when you leave him in too long, I feel like it, it becomes too much, Marcus. Yeah, it was a crazy game. I I'm like I, I'm equally as stunned because if Jason Tatum played horrible. Yeah, he mm-hmm. did. He did. And and I know that like and Steph Curry played great and I know that will be the storyline. Now obviously the Celtics had we're going to talk to Richard Jefferson. He's going to explain. He actually kind of predicted this, which is a great interview, uh that you need those guys like Derek White and Al Horford to step up and they did and it was crazy. He also predicted I will save it for later, but the way that it's this a great game interview. went Richard Jefferson the record will show he was correct when we interviewed him earlier today. Hank, you got to be feeling good. Billy, so we were saying earlier that Billy is probably feeling pretty good because Jason Jason Tatum didn't play that well tonight. I actually think it's bad for Billy because yeah. they won this mm. game and that's just game 1. If they do end up winning, they're probably going to win some of those games because Jason Tatum plays well mm. and they're probably going to give the MVP to Jason Tatum, if that happens, Hank, it was a game of quarters, as it always is for these Celtics. Yes, was odd, it two to odd two? quarters? Yeah, two it, two. It was two so to it's two. Two two going so into the second. Two. Odd quarters, bad. Even quarters, good. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I, I love it. But uh, like, you got to be feeling that's the old. That was last series. We're, oh, we're, that was last we moved series. on from got the quarters. It, got yeah, it, got it. you got you got to feel confident though. Like this was a game that uh, if, if you won this one, some were saying it was a must win for the Warriors. Yeah, I I actually believe that. I said that. I, I said that when the Celtics were down like 15 and you were buried in the couch, had given up. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't give him up. Were, I just was a little like, bit. You were. You were. You, you can't were, watch. You, Sometimes you can't. You were, watch. you were neck deep in that. You were watching buried. someone die. You're like you don't want to watch couch. that. But you know the NBA is like it's all swing. I know once they swung. So I, was, I swung back. I up. did think that this was a must win for the Warriors. I really did because like the the rest, you know. So the now they're done. That, 
Yeah, they might be done. Yeah, no, if you said I it was a must win and yeah, they didn't no, no, win no, it, they're done. I think they might be done. Next game is it can't lose? I I really do think that the way they lost this and the fact that the Celtics they had so much rest. The way the Celtics like I know that they're they're shot making, like that's the thing. Is like you, you could play the game, Jason Tatum had a bad game. I don't think the Celtics will also go seven for seven to to start the fourth quarter from three every game. But what the Celtics can rely on and what they do better than anyone else is they lock down on defense. And that was like, you know, it, it, it's like um, complimentary football. Like when they start locking down on defense, and then they start getting easier shots on offense and it just avalanched on the Warriors. And I could be wrong, but I do feel like the, you know, they've been playing up the narrative. The Warriors have so much experience and the Celtics have none. That kind of goes out the door after the first game. Like the if you had if the Celtics had like pregame jitters and it's their first finals and they're nervous, like I don't think that carries over after the first game. Like all those feelings are probably out and they realize now it's like, all right, it's a regular series, like you know, next game's a regular game. I I do think Jason Tatum No, I think Jason Tatum I think he was nervous going to this game. No, he was this game. You can tell from like his first shot. Yeah, oh, they're totally out because he he knows he doesn't have to do it all himself. He was super uncomfortable in the first quarter. And Steph Curry, you saw like he was obviously experienced. He went, I think every time Steph Curry breaks a record now, well, he's breaking an defense. old Steph Curry record. Yes, yes. That's like the level that he's achieved as a shooter right yes. now. He broke his own record for most threes made in a quarter of an NBA Finals game in the first quarter. And then Ryan score in the had the under. Yeah. And then didn't he didn't score in the then second. Then he got tired. That, maybe that's the playbook. Let Steph go off in the first quarter. Let him tire his shooting arm out. And then at the end of the quarter, I think he threw up that like 70-footer. Yeah. Second quarter, he was fatigued. And the scoring goes downhill. I also think there's a chance Ime's greatest coaching move was having them not play defense on Steph Curry in the first quarter. Yeah, they didn't. So that way, once he <laughs> was taking shots that were contested, contested yeah. it was Did, it was rattling give him, him a different look. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's smart. That's actually genius because there were a few moments where it was like, oh, um, you should guard Steph Curry. And yeah. no one was there. That's what Brad Stevens had cooked up today. Yeah. He was like, we're going to throw a real wrinkle at him. We're going to rope-a-dope him. you got to be feeling sky high, though. Um, I, I like can't believe it. So the the way it all flipped, the way it went, because it wasn't even a, a gradual no. flip. It was dead to domination. It yeah. was a shot, in, in, shot, in, in, shot, In a five-minute, basically, they look, period. The Warriors looked dejected. Because the, the Celtics the have had those quarters you know, throughout the entire playoffs where it's like they just fucking dropped the ball 39 to 14, lose all the momentum, lose the game. And it's like they played well the other three quarters, but they had that one letdown quarter. And then, boom, they actually just out quartered the Warriors. They yeah, quartered fourth quarter. yeah, they played. Them. They out quartered them. They drawn and quartered them. Like he thought 39 to 14 was good. Yeah. I don't uh, know if it was 39 to 14. Also, credit, credit to Big Al. Al Horford. I mean, what a game. game. So he's been, he has the most playoff games ever played without playing in an NBA Finals until this year. And this was thirty eight twenty four. This, this was thing. Big Al's moment. You could tell, like he's been, Al Horford had been preparing for this moment his entire life, and he went out there and he delivered. And it's also fun to see him occasionally get the ball in the open court because sometimes he forgets that he's <laughs> that he that he's not a point guard anymore. Yeah. But there were like three or four like fast breaks where he tried to run the point, and it's very funny. It's yes. like, like watching a deer trying to ice skate. D- yeah, he finished uh, six for eight from three. And uh, with 26 points, nine for 12 from the field. That's the thing is like I don't know what the I don't know what the Warriors fix is on defense. You just hope that the like the Celtics shot 51 percent from three. Mm-hmm. It was insane. Has there been a, a solid offensive player that has gone downhill as much as Draymond Green? No, he I I we were talking about it like There's he no used touch. to in 2015-16 he shot 39 from three, and he was taking three a game. So it wasn't like he was just taking like one a game. Yeah. And I don't know. If, I think he had a couple injuries, his shoulder injury, but it's just nothing. Not like his offensive game 
He's a non-factor offensively. I can't wait to hear his podcast. I want to hear what he says about this because he had a couple shots that were just like it didn't look like he knew how to shoot a three. And you're right, like back in 2015, 2016, he was a good third option. Yeah. for the Warriors, Dude. He would, he's he's actually what made those early Warriors teams so great because you could have like Steph Curry have an off night. Clay Thompson would step up for him, and then Draymond would be there to hit like three or four threes a game, and it was you, there was no way to defend that because if you have two great players, occasionally you'll run into them when they're playing against other good teams that know how to defend. You'll run into games where they both are kind of either average or one has a really bad game, but having him as the third option was such a luxury for him, and now it just looks like he's allergic to the ball. Yeah, hold on, I'm looking it up because I just I, I remember in Game 7, which we're going to talk to Richard Jefferson about, another plug, yeah, he was in Game Seven against the Warriors, or against the Cavs in 2016 when the Cavs won. He was he scored 32 points and was six for eight from three. Yeah, like he was a legitimate option. I like we're changing the game right now. We're plugging our own podcast during <laughs> yeah, our podcast. No, I mean, it's a great this, interview coming this up. This next segment is brought to you <laughs> yeah. by Part of My Take. Yeah, the number uh, one sports podcast that you're currently listening to. Uh, Molly the Meatball, great interview coming up. In person. And she's brought to you by Part of My Take. Yeah, also yeah. by Part of My Take. She's brought to you by Richard Jefferson, who's brought to you by Part of yep. My She sends maybe the best text messages of all time. She just signs them off in the funniest ways. Yeah. Like, be, she says, says, be great. She's, be great. She said that a few times. One time it was like a Friday, and, was, and we were like, oh, we'll talk. You know, we'll figure it out Monday. And she's like, be great, Hank. Go get that pussy. But she spelled <laughs> she spelled with the, with the money signs for the S's. Oh, oh that's nice. Wow. Wait, did she say, did she say, oh, she did say She pussy. said, be great. Hank, go, go get, get that, that pussy, pussy money, money signs. signs. That's, hell yeah, that's like, some that's some good pussy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's high. That's class. the best kind. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the top of the line. That's <laughs> the fucking Aston Martin Ferrari shit. Absolute delight. <laughs> Love Molly. Yeah, <laughs> shout out to Molly. Yeah, gonna be a great interview. All right, so Hank, I mean, it, I actually do think the Warriors like they can't lose game two. No, they, if def- they lose they game two. Can. It is now we're talking four or five game series. Whopping. So I, I think right now it's too early to do the thing that we all want to do, Whopping. which we kind of like. We dipped our toe in earlier and said the Warriors are dead. Whopping. Fuck it, I'm just gonna say it. After game one, the Warriors are dead. They are a whomping is on the table. Yeah, no, I mean, it, I, oh, I expect table. obviously the Warriors' best effort on Sunday night mm-hmm. because it does feel like they have to win that game. They're going to win the next game by yeah. like 30 points. Yeah, each. I mean, they they probably will, but it doesn't matter because Celtics, like, mission accomplished going out west and splitting. Yeah, you like, stole you stole home, home court from them. Guess the line. What do they even say in the locker room after this? Are they just like, What's what the, the spread? fuck just happened? What's the spread? Like, I know what it is. Uh, they, do you think they stand in the locker room and they're like, uh, wait, were you supposed to get out Horford? Like, who was supposed to get out Horford? <laughs> I, I think the spread got bigger. I think the spread is four. Well, yeah, it closed, I think, around four. It is four. Okay. Yeah. Damn. Ding, ding, ding. Damn, he's good. And the Celtics Winner. are now minus 182 to win the title. Wow. Crazy. Damn. Whole thing was crazy. Um, Any other? Oh. I still think the Nets should have whomped him. <laughs> <laughs> All-time bad take. It's going to be All-time. great. All-time. Celtics it, it, win the listen. title. It's like you had him getting whomped in the first round. I've got a laundry list of bad takes. That uh. It's about as long as the River Nile, and this one is probably, probably 1A. Yeah. You also should have felt good going into swept. this series. Yeah, they got <laughs> walked. You sh- you should have felt good going into this series, Hank, because I I have that Warriors future from the beginning of the playoffs, and I never win futures. Like it's it's actually impossible for me to ever win one. So you should feel pretty confident just on that alone. Give me a percentage. Sixty-five. You're sixty-five percent confident. Really? I thought you'd be higher. Yeah, higher. I, don't I, think I would be, be like higher. Seventy-five or eighty. That's C-Street Hank talking. Because it really talking. is like Sunday night no, is like a like free if they, if they, Yeah, it's a free ball, but then it's like it could flip. Like if the Warriors yeah, no, go then up the Warriors 2-1. Yeah, no, then the Warriors can win like, one game, yeah. 
Two O is a different mm-hmm. story. Two O is over. Two O is like eighty five. To put it in your speak as as an executive, Hank, they they had a good Q two and Q four today. Mm-hmm. Next game, they we'll need s- to have a good Q one. It will circle back. Yeah, we'll circle, we'll back, circle on back on Q one. Put a pin in Q one. We're going to try to hit hit all of our goals. And I actually going to Here's the what they're going to do. They're going to start and end. They're going to they're going to regroup it's every three months. I have to ask NBA all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, say, I mean, like, it's it's four. Oh, 12 divided wait. by four. We're in Q2. Yeah. Q2 ends in September. No, we're, I don't yeah, know. we're yeah, we're in Q. We're in Q2. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yes, we're in Q2. No, yeah, yeah Q2. We're in Q2. March is Q1. Six. April, Seven is May, Q3. June. We're we're at the tail end of Q2. The spending for yeah. Q2 is we, done. No, yeah, the spending is oh, yeah. done. But no, we, we've but like, we already Q3, have to be ready for our yeah, Q4. Yeah, like we're forecasting. Yeah. Yes. yeah. 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 Sp- I think, dude, if we're smart, we've got to be Q1 <laughs> forecasting for 2023. The spending's done, yeah. but, we, but we need to hit all of our metrics if we want to come in uh, according to all of proje- projections that we've been going outbound to advertise. That's for Q1 2023. If we don't perform at the end of Q2... Q1 2023 is not going to be great. Mm-hmm. Well, you get all your money for Q1 and Q3. You get a rebate on Q1? Oh, no, you account, get all your money in Q3. That's when all the selling happens. You get all your money in Q1 from Q3. Yeah. That's yeah. correct. I'm going to ca- talk to the boys in accounting and make sure we've got that straight. But <laughs> no, it, it sounds it, right to me. Everyone who's listening right right now, anyone who's also in a C-suite, <laughs> they just nodded along. They're we're, like, these guys know business. Yeah, no, we're so good at business. In all of our Everybody brains. taught I, a lot I'm of pretty, young listeners. I'm pretty sure that like we all know. assume that the accounting department of every every corporation in America is just a bunch of dudes in like white button-up, short sleeve dress shirts in the back that don't see the light of day with calculators and pencils yep yep that's what we've got i'm still i'm still thinking about like what the warriors are doing in their locker room right now i'm still reeling from q2 of summer <laughs> two, 2016 that was a q our sweet prince that was a q yeah that was a q was the a world q. changed q. black hole yeah. um all right last thing uh avalanche up 2-0 yep they, I mean, they, they, they dominate. The game one was awesome. They had a million a, goals. Canada, I, that's another Canada, future. Yeah, another for future. You. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. I will. I like if anyone wants me to like mush a team, just tell me, and I will put a future on them. And like, we'll get to a point where it looks like it's great value. Cowboys, and then at Cowboys, and <laughs> what about Kentucky, twenty-five to one? Like, uh-huh. we'll get to a point where it's like, ooh, that was a nice bet, and then it will fall apart. All, all, like in a just a mess. But my futures are basically someone make the gift for me. My futures are just Kevin's chili, just falling over like all the Kentucky and the mm-hmm. Cowboys and the Warriors, and Wisconsin, everything just falls out. Well, you're more of a of a moment guy. You live moment to moment. Yeah, not in the future. I, listen, I'm a knee jerk guy. Future you pa- sucks. I'm a passionate guy. I wear my heart on my sleeve. What I say one moment doesn't matter the next moment. You got to stop listening to future you. That's the problem. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's no, what... I future is the dumbest thing to bet on. I, I just I don't know why I ever do it. You know what I do? I do it because I'm like, well, this is money I can't lose right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just lose yeah, it later. Date. It's later money. But yeah, it's, it's like it, putting it under it, my couch. It's an investment, is what yeah. it is. It's like, well, in the future, I, I should have some futures coming in for me. Right. Yeah. So in Q four, right in Q four, I should have <laughs> a few, uh-huh. a few ca- a few dividends. You know, returning some uh, some big ROI. On we're those. we're definitely the number one Q podcast. Make sure to put that in the description. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Hashtag the boys Q. break down Q. Hashtag Q. <laughs> <laughs> Deep right. dive into Q. Yeah. Let's kick it back to ourselves back in studio, and then Richard Jefferson and uh, Molly the Meatball. Everyone have a good weekend, and yeah, be great. Be great. Be great. Get that get pussy. That, get that pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Brought to you by our friends at Current Banking is one of the few industries that doesn't ha- that hasn't been modernized by technology. 
Current is a financial technology platform serving the needs of people who are working to create a better future for themselves. This is groundbreaking stuff. They want to get your money, uh, you, your money faster, help you move it faster, and give you the tools to spend and save it better than ever. Uh, Current has getting your paycheck up to two days faster, new interest feature, which helps you to earn way more on your savings, tools for money management. There are no overdraft fees up to $200, no minimum balance fees, and absolutely no membership fees, and they're not done. They've got a bunch of exciting things coming up this year. This is to help you get your finances in better order. Use Current. We're partnering with Current to help give back to PMT listeners. We're going to be giving away $500 to 10 random listeners who sign up at Current.com slash PMT. So go to Current.com slash PMT or enter code PMT in the app for a chance to win. Giveaway will end on Wednesday, June 22nd. So make sure you sign up right now. Current.com slash PMT. They'll be giving away $500 to 10 random AWLs. Current.com slash PMT. Make sure that you are banking the best way possible. Make sure you are part of the revolution. Financial technology platform Current has it for you. Current.com slash PMT. Okay, uh, the match. The match. Well, actually, I have some breaking news. Oh, breaking right news. Right now that just came across the wire. Okay, breaking news. <laughs> LeBron James Uh-oh. is Retire. now officially a billionaire. Oh, yes. This happens every two weeks. Forbes yeah. magazine just wrote an article announcing it to the world. He's officially a billionaire. It's crazy that they were able to write this article up in like about two minutes after they announced that he was a billionaire. They were watching his checking account. They were, yeah. They refreshed it. It was like Ashton <laughs> Kutcher watching his Twitter account. Wait, but LeBron that's LeBron and Dr. Dre become billionaires every other day. Hold on. Isn't, aren't, aren't stocks in in the tank right now? So LeBron just getting rich while ever, the common man gets poor? Yeah, so this is actually... This is going to make Sean Hannity like become a Rosenboji guy and like break out the guillotine. Yeah. This means we have to eat LeBron James now. He is now on the menu, officially. He's Fucked been up. added to the menu. Uh, congrats to LeBron. Imagine being one of his teammates, like uh, that's making you know, like the NBA league minimum, mm-hmm. and it's like this guy's like an insane amount. Yeah, but even yeah. still, like Austin Reeves, I don't know, he's probably making a couple million a year. Mm-hmm. LeBron's got a bill. I wonder how much is liquid. That's always like that's what it should, it should never be. Like this person is a billionaire. How much Just is tell liquid? Me, he's tell probably me, got a shitload in wine. Yeah. You tell, no, you tell me how much <laughs> is tequila. actually yeah. in his checking account at a given time. Yeah, well, I under think, his mattress. I think LeBron James could write a check for two hundred nineteen million dollars right now. Maybe even more. Who knows? He I mean, said now back in twenty fourteen, it's my biggest milestone. Oh, I want to maximize my business. So it doesn't matter. The the rings don't matter. If I think, I, I think MJ has been a billionaire for like a decade and a half. If I happen to be a billion dollar athlete. Ho, hip hop hooray. Oh my god, I'm gonna be excited. Damn. So hip hop hooray for LeBron James. Next Taco Tuesday is gonna be sick. It is listen, we make a lot of fun of LeBron James and we're gonna to continue to do that. It must be pretty cool though to like grow up super poor and then one yes. and, and then look at it and you're like, I'm a billionaire. I think that might now, be the understatement of the year. It, it's, it might must be cool. It's, be, it's very cool. <laughs> Go from nothing but, to a billionaire. But LeBron is definitely he's gonna put up like seventeen Instagram stories where he's just like looking at his phone, just shaking his head while his kids are in the background crying because they're hungry. And he's just gonna be looking at his phone and be like, Man, I I can't believe this day is yeah. here. I never thought this day would come to be Daddy. Uh, you need to take me to you need to take me to school, please. Yeah, but I'm blessed, too blessed to be stressed. All right, so congrats to LeBron. Um, let's talk about the match, though. We had the match, whatever it was, seven, eight. I don't know. Um, 
I the only takeaway I had is that Aaron Rodgers should be back in jail. So I I counted it. He did. He tried vehicular manslaughter uh, with his golf cart. He tried to hit a ball off a tree and into someone's face, and then he grounded his club in a sin. Can't in, do that. Can't do that. And then I don't know if you were watching PFT, but in very selfish Aaron Rodgers fashion. Uh, he and Tom Brady could have basically won the match on the whole prior, or at least gone up one, and he gave Brady a terrible read, and Brady missed it. They disagreed on the read, and Brady was like, I'll go your way. Missed it, and then Brady took it again, just like practicing on his read, hit it, and then just so that Aaron Rodgers could be the hero on hole 12 or whatever it was. Yeah, honestly, I think it's it disgusting. It's better that Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen lost the match. Dude. Against two active QBs, like, do you want your quarterback getting really good at golf when he should be? They're focusing their attention on football right yeah. now. Yeah, and maybe no. if Aaron Rodgers spent a little less time on the golf course, a little bit more time in his playbook, the Packers wouldn't flame out in the playoffs. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was the best player of the th- of the four. Patrick Mahomes is very good as well, but I mean, he also is the one who has the most free time in the second half of January every year. He also is the one. Patrick Mahomes is the one that. Uh, was the first to crack open an ice cold Coors Light. Yes, he was. Which I appreciate that. I think he he's the real winner. It it was also very funny to watch them play. One Brady was getting legit rattled. He was very upset at himself. He, he turned his hat back. He was so mad at himself. And two, Josh Allen was struggling and uh you know, he obviously was like this kind of sucks. I'm not playing really well. And there were multiple times where he'd hit a shot and he'd be discouraged. I'd be like I would kill for that shot. Like he would hit it He'd hit it, you know, uh, past the hole, 20, 20 yards past the hole, but it still is a fine shot that you can chip in. I'd be like, that shot was insane. And he's like, this sucks. I'm terrible. Yeah, listen, if, if you're, like, remotely playable at golf, that's like there's a difference between people that just completely suck and go out there and, you know, I'd probably hit, like, a 140. I'm golfing tomorrow. I'm probably going to hit, like, 140. Mm-hmm. And then there are no. guys that can go out and, yeah, like, that can go out and enjoy themselves playing golf. Josh Allen's good enough to enjoy himself while he plays golf. Right. That's all I ever want to do. That's yeah, what most people should aspire to. Hit, hit, like, I don't know, half the holes you hit it, you you, you play inbounds. That's yeah. what I'm going for. I, I would say, like, if you can not lose a ball on nine of the 18 holes, yeah. that's a good day at the golf that's course. That's a great day. Um, and But, yeah, isn't it, isn't it, like, a little alarming if your quarterback was, like, basically a semi-pro golfer? Well, I would not like that. Well, here's I, what every I, athlete does yeah, in the offseason. I think it's it's they do it because every athlete sn- sneaky golfs more than anyone even realizes because it's the only w- only place they can have privacy right out in public. And they it's, can join it like really expensive country clubs right. and shit. It, like it doesn't they can go that com- price doesn't matter. They can go compete and there can't be just random people like it would be weird if athletes were like, yeah, I picked up, you know, like playing pickup hoops or I play in a softball league, which would be sick. Bowling. Patrick Mahomes would be awesome. Mookie Betts, right? Doesn't mm-hmm. he bowl? He's a really good bowler. Yeah. Um, but I do feel a little vindicated because I did have multiple tweets from unbiased people saying that Aaron Rodgers is absolutely miserable to be around because he he was the least talkative of the group. He was surly. He was Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Like Brady, as bad as he was playing at times, still was interesting and still was trying to put on a show. Aaron Rodgers, just he just went for a paycheck. Fucking jerk. It's sad. Very sad. It's sad that that's the only reason you can get Aaron Rodgers to do anything. Uh, I think Jackson Mahomes should have been out there. That would have been fun. Just like they should have paired Jackson Mahomes in a golf cart with Aaron Rodgers. Well, they should have. What they should have done is they should have had. Um, they were doing. If you you get one mulligan, and to get the mulligan, you have to hit a big cardboard cutout of Charles Barkley with a football. If that had just been Jackson Mahomes dancing, that would have been funny. Yeah, yeah. No, Jackson Mahomes should have. Can you imagine if if Aaron Rodgers 
was brothers with Jackson Mahomes, how quickly he would have killed him. Yeah, that's true. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy to think about. Uh, Hank, are you a little worried about Brady uh, listening to a loser like Aaron Rodgers? Because it was a lapse in his judgment. It was actually like one of the most interesting moments. No, I think that's just like he's an ultimate teammate. And it's one of those things where it's like you look like a bad teammate if you don't listen to him and then you miss. So it's like you got to trust your teammate, right? Yeah. He did. He and was wrong. What happened? Yeah, he was but wrong. I also thought it was just hilarious that they decided to have fans at that, and people almost died. People, people like almost died. Every people. single, every single drive was just going way right, and they, Mahomes, the first one, I think they got they got good at calling for Mahomes. Just didn't, or it was Josh Allen, just didn't call for oh, no, his he first didn't. one, he, and, and it almost killed the guy. He actually had a moment where I'm pretty sure it was a Bills fan. That's why they're the best fans ever. He hit one uh, to the green, past the green. And I'm pretty sure a Bills fan just kicked the ball yeah. back onto the green. He did. And then was Josh awesome. was like, that was Bills Mafia. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. That was great. But, yeah, it's – I mean, I'll still keep tuning in. Those guys are, you know, such crazy superstar athletes to watch them compete and watch them be frustrated just like the rest of us and, like, pound Coors Lights just like the rest of us. It was cool. I had yeah. fun. I, I like the sandbaggers just because they talk more, you know, they talk more shit like during it. Like those are the true. Oh yeah, it's it's you wish you wish they were really like they fuck, go like, all the way talking shit to to themselves because that's what golf ultimately is. Is like you hit a bad shot and then you're just motherfucking yourself. On these, they have to be a little bit more like jokey, haha. You know, it's fine. We'll get Good them the shot. next shot. Yeah. But like that's why. I mean, the sandbaggers at Biz and Wit do are so funny because they just like every single shot they're just like motherfucking themselves and try yeah. to get each other's heads yes. yeah yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's very funny too like just when you're watching PGA golf how close they get when a guy's like maybe he hits the ball like off the fairway 10 20 yards and they line up like right next to his path that he's shooting to the green because these guys are professionals they were doing that exact same thing yeah. in the match yeah. where it's like tough shots out of the rough and guys are just like begging to get hit in the face with the ball yes oh yeah and, and just, it's like they have the club speed to be pro golfers, but you can just like that's the difference, you know. Right. It's the shot making, it's, the shot making abilities. Like they're not even close. I, Mahomes, they have is, the physical attributes. Yes, but. yes. Mahomes was really fun. He was he was very impressive. I thought. Like said, I, I knew Rogers had golfed a lot because he again he's not playing in the back half of January. Mahomes though, for being that young, like he's a pretty fucking good golfer. They said that Tom Brady's clubhead speed, I think it was on his first drive, was faster than the tour average. Whoa. Fucking crazy. Damn. I think that was Rodgers, but that's all right. We'll, we'll go with Brady. No, it was Brady. It was, Brady. Yeah, it was definitely it was Brady. Brady. Um, okay, other stories. Uh, the Rangers shit pumped the Lightning game one. I Memes is not here right now. Billy, Memes, and Jake are up doing uh, PLL uh, training camp, which should be very funny. I think Billy and Memes are both getting in the pads, playing with some lacrosse, professional lacrosse players. But I, I'll say it for Memes. He was trying to be like, oh, it's just game one. Two things can be true. I think the Rangers are are for real, and two, I think if you aren't betting like everything on Friday night for the Lightning, this is this is like a hundred year storm. Yeah, the 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 streak con- will continue, right? So I got they're gonna win. They don't lose back to back games. I got absolutely fucked up on the scheduling of this. Why? Because the Rangers played at home last night. Yeah, you got hanked. Yeah, I got hanked big time <laughs> on it. I they had I, more points. I literally looked at it and I was like, this doesn't make sense. I was assuming that was going to be on the road. But, yeah, the, I think there's no chance at all that the, the Lightning roll over for another game. But the Rangers, so the, everyone was like, the Rangers are a little experienced. They thought that they could come in here. I think it was Biz that was like, they thought they could come in here and, and, and swing their dick around with Sidney Crosby. He thought they were too young. He thought they were too inexperienced. But I think they've reached the point now where, like, they don't know how big the moment is supposed to be that they're in right yeah. now. Also, so they're playing loose, and they're ready to go. Just just know that whatever our good friend Paul Bissonnette says is wrong. 
He's been there's never been anyone who's been more wrong about a playoffs than him. He yep. had he I think he had the Panthers, I think he had the, the Flames, Leafs. he had the Leafs, he had uh the Rangers losing to the Canes. He's had every single wrong pick. The Penguins. Yeah, between him and Mr. Ice, if you just faded the two of those guys, you'd be you'd be LeBron James, billionaire. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing I had before we got to Richard Jefferson and Meatball Molly, great interviews. Uh, we had what seems like the last final story, final uh, anecdote from the Tommy Pham, Jock Peterson feud. Mike Trout was a commissioner, and Tommy Pham claims that he was a bad commissioner, and he didn't do everything that he needed to do. And then we had a, a big debate about uh, commissioners in fantasy sports, which I contend like everyone should hate their commissioner. That's the role of the commissioner. So I think that like Mike Trout, if he's the commissioner, he had to know this day was coming that he was going to get shit on for not running a tighter ship. I think maybe, maybe Tommy Pham's wife has alopecia. That would have been a great story. If he had just been like that, that's why I beat the fuck out of you in the outfield. I think that we need to get this. We need to get this entire league into like a, uh, like a reality show. This fantasy league needs to be a reality show. And, I think it's fair to point your finger at Mike Trout as well because he's in charge of this. Right, but you can't you can't have a high stakes fantasy league and then not even monitor how people are using the injured reserve. Right. My my point is that every commissioner in any fantasy league, they're like um the president of the condo board. Like they are there to be hated because they either right run too tight of a ship and everyone complains or they run too loose of a ship, everyone complains. It's a no-win job. It's a no-win job. The best thing Basically, is, the only thing you get to decide is is you get to decide for your schedule when the draft is held. The best thing that, that can happen to a fantasy commissioner is if you have one guy in the league that's more of like a, a rules stickler than the commissioner is, Yeah. then the commissioner can be very, very strict with the rules, but they're also not the total psycho that that one guy in the but league is. then they is. have to deal with that one they guy. They have to deal with one guy, yes. but, but you'd rather deal with that one guy and then have everybody else in the league being like, yeah, that guy fucking sucks, huh? Yeah. Thanks for being on our side. That's what it sounds like Mike Trout doesn't have in this league. It's a thankless job, though, and it's also a job that like everyone should know that you, if you are the commissioner of your fantasy league, everyone hates you. That's also, just a fact. Also, Everyone hates you. Why is Mike Trout being the commissioner of a well, fantasy league? He said league? that they couldn't pick one and they just made him do it. Yeah, that's what. So it's on them. It's right. on the rest no, he, of the league. He owned that for nobody Tommy stepping Tom said up. That. Yeah, he said yeah. he was like, "It's kind of our fault because he didn't really want to do it." Yeah. Um. So yeah, that that one, just a hilarious story all the way through. I just, I'm, I'm like, I'm still on Team Jock Peterson, but the fact that Tommy Pham has not like disputed any of it is just so funny to me. The fact that he's like, "Yeah, I slapped him." Yeah, I, I got my suspension. Yeah, like he fucked around with me. Tommy Pham also seems like a guy that just can't take a joke. Yes. At all. Correct. He seems like a guy that just bad hang. Yeah. Yes. Bad hang big time. Um, okay, Hank, do you got any news? Uh, no, yeah, no. Okay. All right. So let's get to our interviews. We've got Richard Jefferson and then Meatball Molly, and then we'll finish up with Firefest of the Week. Before we get to Richard Jefferson, game time. Game Time is a ticketing app we use to score last-minute deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows, and they guarantee the lowest price. Hank, you went to Game 6 of the Celtics Heat Series. How was that? Un- well, the game wasn't good. The seats, thanks to Game Time, were unbelievable. They asked ask Hank about Game 6 Celtics. So. Yeah, I mean, the seats were great. Atmosphere was awesome. The game, not so good. Yeah. But it but, worked out. But that's, you know, it's still great to be able to go to playoff games. So they cracked the code on how to score deals on last-minute tickets. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you thought you could never buy. Download the Game Time app. Go to the account tab to create a login. 
and redeem code PMT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Download Game Time last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Game Time app. Check it out today. They have the best ticket prices out there, and they're our exclusive sponsor of Barstool Sports. So if you listen to this podcast, you want to support us, please use Game Time. And use that code PMT for $20 off your first purchase. Okay, here he is, Richard Jefferson. Okay, we now welcome on our good friend, NBA champion, Richard Jefferson. He's here. He is live from San Francisco, getting ready for the NBA Finals. Let's just put in a little uh, caveat for all of our listeners. We're taping this before Game 1. They're going to listen to it after Game 1. If we screw up and say a bunch of things, yeah. That's a setup. That's a setup. It is. It is. It's a setup. It's a setup, but I wanted to just put a little timestamp on it. Um, All right, let's just jump right into it. We're very excited. Uh, What are the vibes like right now? Let's get a vibe check of San Francisco, media day, the teams, everything. You know what? I can't speak on it from the player side, but it's like – I would not be surprised if COVID affected – this NBA finals. No. I would not be surprised. In- and that's that's a bump. That's yeah, just because there's a lot of media members. Um, I think uh Jeff Van Gundy now has COVID. Um, there's been different people in the media stuff. I'm not gonna give up piece of people's personal stuff, but even our show on NBA today, uh, we were supposed to fly in today. We we're all gonna go do dinner at Malika's family's house here in Oakland. That got kiboshed because multiple people on our team. So that would be a funny, not funny. That would be an interesting thing that to watch is that. Okay, that's a, that's a real bummer to start with. That is, yeah, that's 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 tough. Now, um, I was actually just reading about you the other day because there was a, an article that came out recapping one thing that you said that I took umbrage with, and I wanted to confront you on it face to face like a man. Um, you said that you would pay money to hit Skip Bayless the way Dylan Brooks injured Gary Payton. You you think you could beat up Skip Bayless? Because the man lifts. So, so Richard, we like you. We've had you on the show a lot. I feel like we all get along well. We appreciate your takes. Um, but when you're friends with somebody, you got to call them out on some bullshit. And Fair. a month ago, you said something that I took major umbrage with. You said that you uh-huh. wanted, you wanted to, you would pay money to hit Skip Bayless. I don't. I don't know if you've seen Skip's workout routine, but the man is fucking jacked up. I think I think Skip Bayless takes you out in round one. Okay, first of all, I didn't say just like punch him. I was just more saying like let's give a little context. It's just imagine like him going through the middle. Now look, Skip Bayless is in great shape. He is in outstanding shape for someone his age. Mm. Let's just. I know I would no, put I'm a period. Joking. Skip. It's like, it's like, no, period. No, no, no. Skip, skip. Look, good for Skip, man. Good for Skip, but no. Yeah, Skip, sometimes he talks about things, and that's the only part. And I understand it's a shtick. I understand that it's just a thing, right? Like, he just tweets, LeBron James did it in this. Up next. It's like, dude, that's not even real. That's not even, like, like that's not even real anything. You're just putting stuff out there. And so – Every once in a while, I have those moments where he's something, and he's like, you know, that type of shot, that is an easy shot. I'm like, like, wait, what? Come on. Come on, bro. Like, in the way he calls out players, and it's just for every once in a while, 
like add a little humor to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you guys, you guys call out everybody and you add humor and I love you guys for it. Other people want to call out people and do it in like this aggressive, angry way. And you're like, bro, that's just, that's not it. Yeah. I think with, with Skip, when he talks about a shot being easy, you can't look at it like Skip Bayless is saying he could make that shot. When he says a shot's easy, he means Michael Jordan would have made that shot in one of the highlights that he remembers of Michael Jordan. Oh, no, that's not the way he means it. Like, Skip Bayless really means that. It's so easy that he could do it. And that, <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's so easy. No, no, not even Michael Jordan. I could do it. No, uh, no, I, I get it. But I understand if you're a big Skip, if you're a big Skip fan, um, I understand. I, I get it. I'm more of a Shannon Sharp guy myself. Uh, but, yeah, I get it. Okay. I, like, I like Shannon, too. I, I'm more of a fan of, um, of the ecosystem in the world that allows a guy like Skip Bayless to exist. That's what I'm a fan of. Yeah, it's an in, like the ecosystem's really, <laughs> really interesting. Uh, you know, Troy Aikman's a real big fan uh, of Skip Bayless. <laughs> yes. really. like, he's yes. a real big fan. Yeah, if you, uh, you want to hit him, you got to get in yes. line. That's yeah. that's kind of how it yeah, works. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Hey, 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 uh, Troy, welcome to the ESPN family, man. Yes, welcome. that's true. Welcome. You have his back welcome, now. Welcome, man. Count. I was like, got you, brother. Got um, you. So, all right, I, I got a, uh, I got like a basketball, uh, nerdy, not kind of nerdy, but I love, I love this matchup because styles make fights, and these styles are different. It feels very different. It also feels like the the Celtics going from a knockdown, dragout, rock fight with the Heat, seven games, and now having to face the Warriors. You face the Warriors in the finals. What from a like player's perspective? is the difference when you go from an iso ball team uh, that really only has one option in the heat versus a team that's just running constantly, cutting everywhere, moving. Uh, how, like, how shocking is that to, to switch series to series? Well, the, the, the Celtics have the personnel to do it, but the problem is, is that if you don't see it, uh, and the Miami Heat were a little bit of that, even though their half-court offense was trash. They, they have a bunch of guys that are moving. It's Tyler Hero. It's Duncan Robinson. Obviously, those guys didn't play the last few games, but it's it's Bam. It's Kyle. It's Jimmy Butler. There's a lot of different guys that can beat you. Nothing like what the Golden State Warriors have, like, obviously. But when you kind of get used to the movement. But I'll say this. The the Golden State Warriors on the other side have have a matchup that they haven't really seen either, right? They've gone against a one superstar team in Denver with Jokic. They went against a one superstar team in in uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, and John ja missed a ton of that series. And Golden State didn't even play well, uh, like when he was out. And then they went against a one superstar team in Dallas in Luka. So now you're they're going to go against a team with multiple guys now that can go out there and beat you and have like crazy high impacts. And so um, I think that's a I, I think both sides, like you said, for a fight, there are both like two different things that we all get to sit back and watch. Like, how do these teams handle this blow? How do they the first round, the second round? Who who who's going to go for the knockout? Like, it's a fun way to sit back and watch. Yeah, it it is, and it's it, you're you're absolutely right. The Celtics pose a ton of mismatch problems for the Warriors, and vice versa. What like each team going into it? How does from a basketball standpoint? How does a coach or a team say like this is how we want to play? Whether it be pace. Or, you know, how the ball moves. Like, how do you dictate your style on the opponent as opposed to kind of letting the game come to everyone and maybe getting it away from you? 
Well, well, at this level, with with like when you start talking about the, the teams that can contend for a championship, right? We're not talking about every team, but teams. First of all, you got to have talent. You got to have talent that is undeniably unstoppable, right? Like, look at all the teams here. What Jimmy Butler was doing, what Jason Tatum was doing. Like that shit is just like, hey, look, we're gonna start with a guy that is damn near impossible to stop consistently, right? You know, Luca, Steph, right? Warriors got a couple of them, right? So it's like. When you start with that, then you're like, okay, so it's based off my personnel. Who do we have? What do we have? Hey, Luca is our main guy. We're going to put shooters around him, and that's going to be our style, and we're going to play at his pace. Steph is a crazy run-around shooting guy, so we got to put shooters around him, and we got to put long-wing defenders so that we can play the style of basketball we play. So, you know, that's, again, that's the beautiful part about basketball is that you take what you have, and then you have to do the puzzle pieces around it. And I think all four of these teams, <clears throat> excuse me, the last four teams, all were pretty good pieces of a puzzle, right? Because they weren't like the Phoenix Suns. It wasn't like Giannis, who was just like this unstoppable force, or LeBron James. It was like really good teams that were like put together well, and it just depended on who was going to be healthiest. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen with the lineup for uh, for Golden State? Like what? Is, what is Steve Kerr going to do? That to me, I think it's going to be the biggest thing that that has the largest effect on the series. Like, are they going to go small a lot, or are they going to try to put some of the rebounders in? I, you know, I think they're going to go small um, because you know uh, when you look at Williams, you know he's big shot blocker for Boston. If you go small, then now it's like our smalls versus your smalls, right? He can block shots, and then if you're running, if you're running Steph and these guys off the three, and then you got that big shot blocker in there, he's blocking shots, he's catching dunks. That becomes a lot for them. So, what the idea for if you're, in my opinion, if you're Steve Kerr, play small, play super small, and then make him have to come out on the perimeter and guard three point shooters. Now, ideally, Boston then would go to Grant Williams and have Grant Williams play kind of the small ball five like he did against Milwaukee. And I know I'm getting all basketball on you guys, but Grant Williams, to me, if the Warriors go small, will be a key for the Boston Celtics. If he plays well, like he did in in the Milwaukee series where he hit eight threes, nine threes, whatever it was, then, you know, Boston's going to be a problem. Yeah, I I mean, it's it's a very fascinating matchup. I really do think it's going to be a great series. I hope it's going to be a great series. Uh, who's your X factor for, I know it's a cliche thing to say, but I, I do like to kind of think about it that way because we know Steph's going to get his. We know Tatum's going to get his. Jalen Brown and Klay Thompson are going to both have big impacts, probably games where they both score in the 30s. Who's the guy, though, on each side where you're like, if that guy can step up, if that guy can elevate his game, that becomes the difference maker in this series. I won't like, okay, so I, elevate your game is that's asking a lot. If you do that, great. Right. We just, you just can, can someone perform at a consistent clip? That's what you're, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for consistency in these moments because your teams are so great. As long as you play consistently, ideally, you should win a game, right? It's when you're inconsistent that becomes the roller coaster ride. Um, I would say the two people, I I mentioned Grant Williams. I think Grant Williams, like, he's going to be key because the Warriors just force everyone to play small. Uh, But on the Golden State side, I would say Andrew Wiggins. If Andrew Wiggins can be consistent, if he can give them between 18 and 22, let's say seven-game series, five out of the seven-game series, I think the Warriors win. If he's 12 one night, you know, 18 one night, 28 another night, then 13 the next night, 
that's hard, right? That's going to be a lot harder for the Golden State Warriors because you know Steph is going to be Steph. But if he's inconsistent, then that means that Steph can't have an off night. You've got to allow your superstar to win a game. Your team has to win a game when you um, when your superstar doesn't play well. Ideally, the formula is this, and I've said this, is that your superstars have to win you two games in the finals. So you got to look at your superstars and say you won game one and game three fours. You're, you, you have to win a game where you don't play well. You don't shoot three well. You're, you know, you're, you're 39%, but your defense was great. You turned them over. You offensive rebound, but you just shot poorly. You still won. And then you have to count a game where the others, other guys step up outside where you might Jordan Poole, you know, Kavon Looney. Like these are the guys that are the reason why you won the game. You know, for Boston, it could be White and Al Horford or Peyton Pritchard goes five for seven and hits three threes in the, in the fourth quarter. Like that, then you would point to those guys singularly. So that's kind of the formula. Yeah, I like that. That's a good way to break it down. I, I agree. What have you heard about about Brad Stevens and any of the impact that he's having? Like, we all we always like to think of him as like the wizard behind the curtain, and like Ime's done an awesome job this year. But is he? Yeah. Does, does he have any like day to day involvement with the team whatsoever? hundred oh, percent. It was a it was the passing of a it was the passing of a baton in a relay race, right? Like that's really what this was. It was like like hey. Like, I want to go to this space in the front office. I want somebody that I believe can take these guys to the next level, right? And and this is where, I, like, again, I'm I'm not going to go too deep into it, but, like, for a guy like Brad Stevenson, it's just like, hey, if uh, Stevens is like, I want this guy to take these guys maybe where I couldn't, maybe where I couldn't. I'm going to pick my successor. I've got these guys primed to be ready. Their basketball IQ this is X, Y, and Z. I need someone that can push him where I couldn't. And you find that guy and you believe in Ime Udoka and he has proven like Brad right. And so I think that that's a compliment to Brad to say like, hey, somebody else needs to come in here and push these guys in this group where I could. Doesn't mean that Brad couldn't win a championship as an NBA head coach. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this group right here and where Brad was, he said, I'm not the guy. No different than Jay Wright stepping down at Villanova, right? It doesn't mean that the guy can't still do it. It just means that this he just wanted to be in a, in a different space. So he, but he's still there in the day to day, every single day. I thought it was very classy how he just he walked away, picked his successor, didn't have to take a full year to make everybody uh-huh. like watch him and praise yep. him yep. and give him gifts everywhere that he went. He just kind of went off, you know, on his own. He's like, okay, I'll stay behind the scenes now. I think certain college coaches could learn a lot from how he conducted himself. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. And I think, you know, sometimes you do that because he's like, maybe I'm not done coaching. I just need a moment or, you know, whatever, just whatever it is. And so, I, I you know, I respect that. But, uh, no, when I look at what the Boston Celtics have done, I really commend them as an organization and, and, and the way they've handled this transition because you have young stars on that team. You got a loaded roster that every year is competing. So to just let that go and just be like, I'm going to go to the front office, you go here. But front office individuals are as active as anybody. And especially because obviously prior relationships, he's not a guy that took over in his building. He drafted these guys. He's worked with them every day. He coached them to their first all-star games. So he's still, he's still there and involved. Yeah. And, and Ime Adoka is, it's incredible the job he's done. I feel like, it's you know now he'll get a little bit more praise because they're in the finals but 
I was reading a story today about how, you know, the Celtics were bad. They were a bad team for the first few months of the season. And, you know, you had the Marcus Smart called out Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to the press. Are you shocked knowing, like, how a locker room works that they were able to come back together after that? Because that usually, like, if someone calls out and, and kind of airs dirty laundry, it can go south pretty quickly, I'd, I'd assume. It, it, but see, but now think about it. Think about, like, who was the person that called them out? And I'm not saying Marcus Smart is – like he can't make a mistake or he at times can't try and do a little too much. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that when the guy that is putting forth that type of effort and he is calling it how he sees it and he has a, he has, he's, he's, he has a reputation for that. And, and so for him to get up there and how he did it, like Jason Kidd called out, called those guys, Hey, we need other guys to step up and show up. It can't just be Luca with 35 and 45. We need other guys to step up. Like, that's a fair statement for a coach to say. And people are like, man, are, you know, our guy's going to feel like he's going at him. And he's like, no, he's just telling the truth. And so when I look at what Jalen Brown are, you know, the way that Marcus Smart called him out, he did it. He's like, look, teams know that these guys are scorers and that they don't want to pass the ball. We hear the other team saying that until these guys become playmakers and become basketball players, it's going to be tough. Yeah. And so I think in, until those guys embrace that role and they did, and then their defense and Ema and so many other things started working out, and it should it just became amazing. Yeah, and it was uh, in the story. Basically, Ema went to Marcus Smart and was like, "Look, you said it. You got to own it. Don't run from it. Like this is, you know, it, it it became a galvanizing moment where they opened up lines of communication that weren't there previously. And I also mm-hmm. re- in like reading his style and everything, he it seems like he pushes the buttons where he he holds everyone accountable and he's tough. And the defensive minded like side of it, because I, you can tell me if I'm way wrong, but in the NBA, it feels like everyone has their offensive skill set defense and being good at defense is a lot about effort. And like, do you want to try <laughs> possession to possession and like put in the work to play as a cohesive unit on the defensive side? Is that fair? Yeah, it's fucking hard as shit playing great defense at that level. Like with Steph, you can chase him around for 22 seconds and you could play perfect defense and he hits one of the most ridiculous shots. And guess what? You got to go do that shit again. And you got to do it again and again and again. And so to put forth the type of effort that it takes to win a championship, you know, look at these guys. These guys had to go through KD. Think about it. There is no night you get a rest if KD and, and, and Kyrie have the ball. There is no night that you will get a rest if you get Giannis next round. And he, yes, no Middleton. I think that Milwaukee was the best team this year. If they would have had Middleton, they'd be in the final right now. But like you had to go against a guy that was just dropping 40 balls on everybody. Then you get to the conference finals and you just have a slugfest, a like Rocky Balboa versus freaking Apollo. No one's dodging. Everyone's just punching as hard as they can against Miami. And your reward is the Golden State Warriors, mm-hmm. who's been waiting a little bit. Like the play, the type of defense it takes, you have to be a cohesive unit. You have to be able to be honest with each other. You have to be able to accept criticism. And when a coach says you were piss poor, you let your teammates down. This is not what we're supposed to do. You know better than this. You can't take it personally. You just have to own it because your goals are so high that the only way to do it is to try and achieve perfection. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you could look at it as the Celtics. They've played all these very, very tough teams out of the East. And, you know, their reward, like you said, is now they have to play the Warriors in the finals. You could look at it like, oh, shit, 
these guys have got to be exhausted, or you can look at it like they're battle tested. So which one? Yeah. Do, which one? Which way do you think it, it leans? Like, could this be a net benefit? I guess it depends on the team and the makeup of the team, whether or not they're exhausted by this point, and or, or whether or not they're just like more motivated and tough because of who they played. I think they'll be tougher in the beginning, in the first four games, and I think if it as it continues, if it goes whatever, the next three games is where they get fatigued. That's where they get fatigued because. When you show up in this, like those guys have been fighting for their lives for the, every single night. They've been fighting for their lives for over a month, right? Where the Golden State Warriors, they weren't really worried about Denver. They were m- maybe, you know, a, a, a little bit more worried about Memphis, but then Ja went out like game three. So like that wasn't really ultra stressful. And then to go and then have Luca upset the Suns, and so if the Suns would have showed up against the Golden State Warriors, they would have at least been on edge game one, game two. They would have been on edge, like, yo, this has been the best team, whatever. But no, Luka beats them in seven. So the Golden State Warriors are waiting, and they know that they can beat Luka. They know that they can do that. They just have to just not be idiots. And they do it. So they were never under any real, like, crazy stress for how great they are. The other side, those guys were just fighting not so – at game one and game two, if Golden State comes in lax and Boston comes in like they've been in that dogfight for the last month, Boston can get control. But as the series progresses is where I think Boston starts to fatigue. And so they got to come out and hit first because the longer this series goes, it's not going to favor Boston. Yeah. I got a question about Steph. Um, you know, he's an all-time, all-time player. It's very, it's very, It's very weird how people talk about him because of his size and the fact that he's not – physically dominating in any way I feel like everyone's always hesitant to put him in like you know greatest of all time but when you when you played against him like the amount of attention that is needed for Steph Curry when he's on the court is it just off the charts where everyone always has to know where he is because that's the the crazy part about Steph to me is like even if he's not making his shots he makes the entire defense go towards him at all times well and this is the other thing that I I like this is one thing that I want to make sure people understand. And I think a lot of times it gets Clay Thompson and you see the Clay's at 75% of himself. But like when he's on that court, they are a ridiculous team. My point is this to be the greatest shooter we've ever seen. And to probably have the second best shooter in the league, probably a top five shooter of all time. Also on your team makes it like it's not fair. Right. And so with Steph, he does create so much confusion and his movement, but it's also because you can't leave this guy who is Ray Allen, Reggie Miller, however you want to say it right next to him. And so, you know, when I look at guarding Steph, when you look at greatness, whether it's magic, whether it's Will Kareem, you know, Larry Bird, you want to see something you've never seen before. There is no, I think the closest copy that we ever had was Kobe and MJ. But if you really studied them, they were different. They just played the same style. Like MJ was far more efficient, you know, all the different things. And so when you look at that, it's like, dude, Steph does things we've never seen before and probably never will not at the same clip because that's what makes him Steph. So I don't like it when people only look at greatness as like physical dominance yeah you gotta put skill you gotta put skill in there like skill like he has a skill set that is greater than anyone we've ever seen yeah Yeah. and i'm trying to do a better job of like when i'm watching sports in the moment being like appreciating what i'm watching 
as long as it's not LeBron. Like appreciating like the greatness of someone I'm watching being like, I might not see a Steph Curry again in my life. Again, as long as it's not yes. LeBron, like that one, I don't. But care that's about. that's a that's a that's that's an older that. But that's that's an you're a seasoned man. Like you're now at the spot of your life where you look at sports with a different lens of like, yo, I remember as a child, and I remember where I'm at now, and I'm like, I've only seen like two or three people like this. I might only see one or two more in my lifetime. Right. Right. So you should sit back and enjoy it and embrace it. You know, especially a guy like LeBron. You know, no, that that's no, for you. I think no. it's a real I think that'd be a really big no. step of maturity. What, big you, cat, you can do it, bro. No. You can no, do it, bro. You can do no it. No thank you. <laughs> and no thank you. You know, I'm definitely good. there's gonna be a moment in like twenty years where like my son's like, What was it like to watch LeBron? I'm like, just didn't watch it. You're like, It sucked. <laughs> yeah. It sucked. You would have hated yeah. it. He pretended yeah. to get cramps. I tell people I, t- I I tell people right now, if you like look, whether you like him or not. I'm not telling you to like LeBron. I'm telling you to watch LeBron. That's the only thing I'm saying. Nah. And if you and look, if you if that not nah, okay, nah. well, this is no. Same. I, I, I <laughs> love I love we, watching we're, LeBron. We're not gonna we're not we're not gonna see it again. No, we're not I like know, he's I gonna know. are you at least are you I gonna know. watch him when he at least passes Kareem? Are you gonna I watch know. him when he passes Kareem this year? Listen, will you watch it? I've, will, will you watch it? Yes, I will. And I've, I've admitted LeBron's yeah, good. LeBron's that, a good basketball player. There you go. I'm not saying you don't have to like him, bro. I'm not saying you have no, to like him. No, he's incredible. That's I know. I'm, I'm saying. I've, yeah. I, LeBron actually passes a test where I do not like him, and then he's had moments where I'm like, holy fuck, this is incredible. Even that they had the anniversary of uh, the J.R. Smith game, and looking back at that game and, and like what LeBron – I think he scored like 50 points, <laughs> and it was just like – Yeah, he had a 50-point triple-double. Yeah, he almost beat like the that. Warriors by himself. I remember thinking like, holy fuck, how is this guy doing it? So I appreciate him, whatever. Listen, I, I, I love watching LeBron <laughs> because you have to watch him to find all the stuff to laugh about later. Yeah. You know, like he, yes, he, gives, yes. you, he gives you everything. He, he'll give you a game like that where I uh. think there were like six games in a row in the NBA Finals where he put up stat lines that had never been done before. Yeah. And then – He'll yeah. d- and then he'll do the thing where he like lays down on the ground, pretends that his eye is out of its socket. Like he died. Like he's like, dying. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like yeah. The, bro, we used to sit on the bench and be like, "Bro, you didn't get hit in the face. Get back on." The bench. <laughs> like, Come on. <laughs> yeah. Like but like we're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. He's just not very good at flopping. He's yeah. not a very good flopper. But the, the, like, that's what I love because like, he tries to be good at it. Yeah. He like puts effort he, into his not. flops, but yes. he's not good at it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, I mean. He can, he's, we uh we love doing legacy talk, and I feel like this is the time to start doing the Steph Curry legacy talk. Like if Steph Curry <laughs> okay. wins an NBA Finals MVP this year, I'm ready to be the first person to say that he's better than LeBron James, <laughs> purely at basketball. Yeah, what well, you might be the first and last person to say that. No, so that's cool. No, no I, I think Steph. I, I think Steph starts. The, I, I think the the conversation of Steph being a top ten player in NBA history uh, becomes. A very very it becomes extremely hard to push him out because you say it at this point assuming that he will accomplish more more all-stars more all nba like he like the number of threes that he's going to potentially end with i'm not talking about more championships you don't know how that goes but you know that his he's going to get all starts going to get all nbas and he's going to like be have more playoff numbers and so when it all ends and it's all finished like i don't like the whole step change the game change the game like he did but like Again, having Clay Thompson next to you, like your running mate, like having that they together, the Golden State Warriors helped change the game of basketball and Steph. And on top of it, there were rule changes. And I'm not saying this to hate. I'm just saying that like 
to just singularly give him the credit as the greatest shooter is yes. But like, I just watched that collective group do it together and put him in a position to let him fucking go. And Steph is the great, one of the nicest superstars ever. But I just think collectively the Golden State Warriors led by Steph Curry changed the game. But what about this? If, if Steph Curry, if we start having the debate, like should he be in that top three conversation, then you can use that as ammo to be like, well, that makes LeBron's championship with the Cavaliers even more impressive because he beat Steph Curry, who is a better basketball player than him. Uh, yeah, yeah. if see, you that- beat someone better than you, I, I see you. So you're saying that like that helps LeBron's legacy. I dig that. I like uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to bring that up with Steph when I see him. Like, hey, like uh, the LeBron fans out there really want you to win. Because yeah. it'll make it better that they beat you. Yeah. yeah. After, after you yeah. won the title with him, um, who was who was the biggest partier in Cleveland? That because I feel like it was Delhi. I saw pictures of Delhi everywhere. You know what? We didn't really party after we won. That's what was so crazy. Like we, um, we did like some like family barbecues. Like we didn't like it was crazy. Like and you know we didn't really drink that much. We didn't really do much. It was like after we won. Like everyone's family came and then like we did like a couple of family barbecues, some like meet and greets. And then, you know, everyone just kind of went home. Yeah. Like feel, to like their where where they're from. I feel like J.R. Smith didn't put a shirt on for like two weeks, though. Well, well, you know, that was just a parade that the parade. It was extremely hot out there. And so it was like, you know, there was tons of topless people, most of them men or Jr. you know, but not all of them. Um, all right. I had uh, two last questions. I'm lying. We, we, yeah. we, we drank our ass. <laughs> I, was, I was about to say you're full of shit. shit. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent full of shit. 100%. I, I'm still hung up. I'm still hung up. I do have a question about Kyrie and I'm sure you've been asked about it, but it may be a little bit of a different question. What is it about Kyrie that guys just love playing with him? Because that's the – like, Kyrie gets talked about all the time. And obviously this season was up and down with all the vaccine stuff and everything. But at the end of the day, it feels like everyone who's on his team loves playing with him. And I'm wondering if there's something that we're missing as fans that we just don't see that is like, this is why Kevin Durant wants to play with Kyrie. This is why some of these guys want to be around Kyrie. When we look at it like, wow, what a headache. Well, there's two sides to it. One, from a skill side, as basketball players, we're all fans. Like, once you're in a craft like that and you're doing it, we're fans. And when we see Kyrie play, we're all just like, what what the fuck? Like, the the things that he can do is very similar to Steph. They have very different temperaments, right? Like, where, you know, Kyrie's a little bit more up and down. Steph is very like this. But as far as talent level, like, we see, like, Steph go for Clay, or Steph Clay. We see... Kyrie go for 50 with like, you know, 70% shooting. And you're just like, like the things that he can do and the way he does it and the flair and the sexy and all that stuff as a fan of basketball, you better love what he can do. Now, as a person, he's just, he's, he's, is a lovable person. He is like, he just like Kyrie has moments where like, he just gets real introspective and he kind of like, just becomes like more like a, like he just kind of is in his own space. And we know that as teammates. And then there's times he's going to walk into the locker room and he's going to be the life of the party, singing, dancing, doing, you know, we've seen the Uncle Drew. Everyone knows Kyrie's got an amazing personality. And then there's times where he just gets a little bit more to himself. And that's just, that's just, that's just Kai, you know, doing that. And when you, once you're a part of a team, it's all about like, hey, like, what do you need to go do what you need to go do? Hey, 
do you need to be by yourself for, for 36 hours and kind of just be in your own space? You're not like yelling or being a dick. You're just kind of in your own space, headphones on, watching videos, not really talking that much. And then you go out and score 35. I'm going to leave you alone. I'm going to leave you alone. But like, that's the thing I think for guys that have played with Kyrie now, yes. Is it, you know, has there been issues and stuff like that where like, you know, you want more consistency of your, one of the greatest players that we've seen in this generation? Yes. But ultimately he just, he's a, he is a good dude. He, and I think he's more misunderstood than I think he'll ever get credit for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I'm looking forward to that, that isn't being talked about as much is the matchup between Marcus Smart and Draymond Green and not, not necessarily that they'll be guarding each mm-hmm. other, but just the fact that these are guys that like big cats talking about the X factor, these guys are wild mm-hmm. cards, right? Like, they can they can yeah. help, they can be the reason that their team wins, and then they can be the reason why the game is delayed for like three and a half minutes, and no one can figure out what's going on on the court because everybody's fighting each other. So I, I love players like that. I'm curious to know like which one of these guys. Obviously, Draymond's done it before, and he's been there, and he's proven that he can step up when he's not kicking people in the dicks in the finals. But like between those two guys, which one do you think is going to have a bigger positive impact on the series? Uh I think that Draymond is, is is ridiculously important to everything that the Golden State Warriors are doing. But I think I think Marcus Smart will be in more positions to have a bigger impact, right? Like he's a scorer, right? So he's out there trying to score. Also, like there's multiple games where he led uh, the Boston Celtics in shot last round. And then also defensively, he's going to be guarding Steph. He's going to be guarding Clay. He's going to be guarding Wiggins. He's going to be guarding Poole. So he's just going to be in a position to make more plays. Uh, so I, I, I look at, you know, Marcus Smart being a key, key, you know, cog. Like Marcus Smart has great series, great series for Marcus Smart. I don't – I think it's going to be hard to beat the Celtics. Yeah. So he's more likely to, to help his team win. Would he also be the one that's more likely to help his team lose? Ooh, I would go with Draymond on that. And that's, you know, Draymond's my guy, but he's, he's been in that position before. Marcus Smart has never done anything like, or hasn't got suspended during the postseason. So just purely going off prior history, mm-hmm. I would say that would be Draymond. Yeah. And Draymond, first of all, I, I, got a, I got a little something with Draymond. Draymond said something the other day, yesterday, and he goes, look, we have never been beaten whole. We've never been beaten whole. And I'm like thinking to myself, um, and I was on TikTok and we were doing lives when I first saw it. I was like, you were around for six. Of the, he was like, well, even in, you know, even in 16 when we lost, I got suspended game five. I'm like, Draymond, you were there for six of the seven games. Yeah. Six of the seven games. That's pretty damn whole. And if you're going to use that logic, which I never do, you're not going to say anything about when Kyrie hurt his knee when you guys won in 15 or Kevin Love not being there for the Cavs in 15. So that's not like my thing is like, dude, you can't say, you know, we've never been beaten whole when you've beaten teams that weren't whole. And also like, that's just game seven on. at home. They had game seven at home. And whose fault was it yeah, that yeah. Draymond missed that game? Yeah. And they had game seven at home. You can't yeah. say we've never been beaten whole when you got beaten game seven at home. That's it. 
You had a chance to win it At right home. there. Yeah. And you had like, yeah, you had a chance to win it. You were the greatest team in NBA regular season history, which I, I believe they were. I believe that they were the greatest regular season team of all wow. time. It don't, it right? don't mean a thing yeah. without a ring, right? That's, that's the meanest thing to say. Yeah. Like the way that you phrased it, it actually like, it sounds like you're insulting them when you say yeah. they're the greatest regular I'm season giving, NBA team of all time. You're just making your ring I, bigger. No, yeah, so they won the president's I, trophy. Well, yeah. maybe, may, may, maybe, but no, no, look. look. Those are my brothers, and they are. That's what made our championship so hard and so great is because we had to beat the two-time MVP, the first unanimous MVP, and the defending champions, and the greatest regular season team that we had ever that that the NBA had ever had. I'm sorry, like, yeah, that, yeah. you know, just making your ring bigger. I like, it. and a top I two player of all time thing. on yeah. that team. I would do the same thing if I yeah. were you. Um, (laughs) All right. uh, Last question. Thank you, Richard, for joining us. Rowback question. R-H-O-B-A-C-K. Use code TAKE for 20% off. Uh, Q-Zips, performance uh, hoodies, everything. If you're golfing, Rowback has the best gear. R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. Okay, we've danced around it. Give us your prediction. Give us your how this NBA Finals is going to go down. Warriors and nine. Warriors and nine. The NBA would yeah. love to have a nine-game series. No, you know well, Adam Silver's trying to figure so. out like, how to do it, uh, like have it go all the way till September. Game five and six canceled for COVID <laughs> at halftime. Yeah. Yeah. No, four games yeah. are canceled at halftime uh, for COVID, so that yeah. equals the extra two games. There yeah. we go. Yeah. All right. <laughs> there we go. Get that, get that TV money. So give us your prediction. Come on. I'm going to – Warriors in seven in an overtime game seven. Wow. I so I I I said Warriors in seven on Tuesday, and I've like ever since that moment, I've just everything that's gone in my head has been like I think the Celtics are going to win, but I'm gonna st- I'm sticking with Warriors in seven. <laughs> but think, it is that I, like I that good of a matchup. If the Celtics win, I would not bat nine. It's like yeah, yeah, I could see it. hundred, like it's like yo, it's it's closer than people think. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. They're good. Okay. Well, everyone check out uh, RJ. He's going to be on TV. He's going to be traveling for the finals. We appreciate you always and your time. And uh, next time in New York, why don't you come? That way we don't have to screw up the Zoom. It was on our fa- our fault. Well, but, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I'm in. All right. I'm in. Okay. I'm, I'm going to hit time you I'm up. I'm in New York. I'll come All right. save. So. All right. Have All fun. Right. See ya. Good luck. Peace, guys. See Thanks, man. man. Be safe. Richard Jefferson is brought to you by our great friends over at Coors Light. We love Coors Light. Patrick Mahomes loves Coors Light. He was drinking on the golf course the other day. Coors Light is the official beer of summertime. If you feel like you always have to be on 24-7, sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that is Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans, they turn blue when your beer is cold. People forget that the mountains turn blue. I don't forget it. You know why? Because you guys tweet at me all the time with pictures of blue mountains, which I love. Thank you. Keep sending us those. I want to see the bluest mountains out there. I'm having a personal competition amongst the AWLs to see who has the bluest mountains this summertime. Tweet at us. Show us the pictures of your blue mountains. We love Coors Light. It's my favorite beer. If I'm drinking light beer, I'm drinking Coors Light every single time. It's mountain cold refreshment that's made to chill. When I take a second for myself, I reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart by going to CoorsLight.com take. That's CoorsLight.com slash take. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Molly the Meatball is coming right up. She's brought to you by our great friends at Roman Swipes. Roman Swipes is the secret to longer-lasting sex. Roman Swipes are a clinically proven way to last longer in bed. 
They're effective, easy to use, and fast acting, but they don't require a prescription. Roman can ship swipes to you in discreet, unmarked packaging, and each swipes packet is small enough to hide in your wallet for whenever you need it. They're super easy to use. Just take the swipes out of the packet, swipe it on, let it dry, and you're good to go. That's it. Go to GetRoman.com slash take. Get $10 off when you choose a monthly plan at GetRoman.com slash take. Get $10 off when you choose a monthly plan. Now, here she is, Molly the Meatball. And now for something completely different. All right, we now welcome on a very special guest, co-worker of ours. It is Meatball Molly, Molly McCann, uh, UFC fighter, all-around great person. We've spent some time with her. Very excited to have you on. Thank you for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me. Also, a uh, good friend of Patty the Batty. So mm-hmm. if you notice that uh, accent, it is Liverpudlian. Yeah. Is that Scouse. correct? Yeah, or Scouser. Scouser, yeah. Scouser, yeah. All right, now, do you, let's start there. Did you Do you have the same feelings that Patty has that, like, when England's in the World Cup, you're not going to root for him? Um, I'm a little bit different. So I hate um, the government and I hate the monarchy. Um, however, I hate England football fans, but I don't hate the footballers who are trying to play and win for us. Okay. But my family is very Irish, so they would all support Ireland over England. Got right. it. But you, you support the team. You support the lads. The lads. When they play. That's it. You I, don't support the government that oversees the lads. No, I don't support anything other than that. They're just so much in our country's history has been great, but so much hasn't been. And I just think they're just rats and the <laughs> in all honesty like um in like the 70s and 80s and there was a there was prime ministers out at the time and their job was actually to like to break liverpool down and um and that's like that would be like trump saying i want to break texas down like let's destroy texas mm-hmm. and then 30 years later it's come out in the documents do you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. That, that's like real life shit so yeah. When Paddy says, I'm not English, I'm from the People's Republic of Liverpool, it, I think most of Liverpool's the same, to be honest. I, I mean, it's it's got an energy when you're around you and Paddy that I, it's just, it's awesome. And I, I know, obviously, you guys are fighters, but you're passionate people that, like, you have a vibe to you that's fun to be around. Yeah, certain places in the world, I think, um, I think, like, impoverished places make these kinds of people interesting like, yeah. yeah like you have to make the best of nothing you have to see the silver lining and, and everything and be grateful for everything so when really amazing things happen like this it's just like blows your mind yeah. do you know what I mean and you are grateful for the littlest thing or just like a hi how are you do you know what I mean and, yeah. um, but we're also larger than life because shy kids don't get sweets is what we would say. Oh, hard, like hard times like make that. for hard people. Yeah. That's the one, yeah. yeah. So so you've had a very successful career. We watched your fight back in March. I think it was named, you got like the fight of the month or something like fight that, Fight of the right? night, yeah. Definitely no, it was, not it was like a, of the night. Month too? It was like a month award yeah. that you oh, got. Wow. It was like the best fight. I got that in September as well. Do you know when you just signed Paddy after that fight? I got knockout of the month, and I was like, Dana, can I have another 50 grand, please? <laughs> you can fuck off. So, yeah. when, when did you realize that you that you were just tougher than everybody? When did you realize that you liked to fight? Um, oh, definitely when I was a kid. I, w- I was just skinny, scrawny, just little, but I just had to keep on keeping on. And, um, and what I realized, I didn't start fighting until a very late age. So I started MMA at 23, and what I had to like run with is... 
hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard and I didn't have the the fight IQ or the knowledge base that what some people had because they've been doing it since they was 10, 11, 12. So I just used to have to run further, lift more, do more rounds and it just made me into an absolute like animal and a bit deluded in my brain to be honest. Like I would just go in thinking I'm going to absolutely fucking kill you. Um, it was only after I was humbled in the UFC when I was choked out, I, I didn't tap. I was like fitting on the floor. Oh, you didn't tap? Bitches wow. tap. Yeah. Wow. You and, G- you and Jesus don't tap. Oh, Paddy, scousers don't tap. Scousers. So, so you just, you literally blacked out? Lad, I'm like a fucking salmon going upstream. <laughs> I gotta find this video. <laughs> what, what Molly vs. Jillian. What was the feeling like when you get close? Well, I knew she was. You know, you know that you know when they get it in, right? Yeah, so she's on. And you see me put my hands and then I go, fuck this. So then I just look at the sky. Well, I'm like looking at the floor actually. But um, I could just see the vision go like this. And then I woke up and I was all shaking and I was like, what's happened here? Like, what's going on? And then I look at my coach and I start coming round. And I go, I didn't tap, I didn't tap, I didn't tap. I promise you I didn't tap because um, when you're a mouth like me and Paddy... And when you have a certain fighting style, you can only be that way when you're truly ready to give everything. And I just think if there was a 0.01% that hit arm was going to gas, I knew I would have got up and punched the fucking head in. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> unfortunately that didn't happen. But um, me and Gillian, the girl who done it to me, she was the best and worst thing that ever happened to me. But from that moment, we've been really good friends. I've been to corner here on fight week. Here, coach Dean Thomas coaches me. Every this me. is savage. I'm I, watching it. I know, yeah. You just got so choked out. I know. My and eyes didn't were, even think about tapping. My eyes were open as well. So <laughs> the re- I was asleep for five seconds before the referee even because he couldn't tell because you didn't even blink. I know. Oh, no, you just did. So, it's crazy because so, there's like multiple moments where I'm like, wait, you got to tap right here, and you just went down with the ship. I know, it's a, like proper belly flop. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, I got it. Yeah. There are moments when I'm watching a fight when somebody's not tapping, and I just assume if they're not tapping, it's because the hold isn't in properly. Yeah, no, that was it. I'm writing it out. So a rear naked choke, you would grab the bicep and then hide the other hand behind the head, but she switched it to a short choke. So the way that you defend a rear naked is you would break that grip and then get rid of that one. But on the short choke, it's like the blades across and you can't grab the hand to defend. So it's pretty much you cleaned out. And um, she was as experienced at grappling as I was striking. So if it stood up, I was going to knock her out. And if it went to the floor, it was like Conor vs. Khabib. Right, I'm, not, right. I'm not saying... No, no, no. But no, that's... that's yeah, 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 yeah. Like it was, you know, Conor vs. Khabib like was very similar. That, yeah, you knew that once Conor went on the ground, it was going to be big time trouble for him. Yeah. So... um. What would you do though if it was an arm bar? Would you let your arm get broken? Probably, yeah. Oh, because because like one thing to get. In, I mean, it's obviously badass. I I I would have I would have tapped when like you could make me tap by just looking at me. I'd be like, <laughs> all right, I'm out. But like the arm, if you're still conscious and you're like, I'm gonna let my arm get broken. That's a different I've, ball game. I've armbarred two Brazilians and their arms hyperextended in the fight, and they didn't tap. Gales don't tap. They just. So wait, who doesn't? Who taps? Americans? No, 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 no. What I mean is French like, men. Yeah, French men. <laughs> women, women have got more dexterity. Where I'm like actually built like a lad with how much muscle I have, but 
like we like men don't bend as much like their arm would probably stop there so right too it, many bicep curls that's what i'm saying yeah too so, much yeah, yeah. knuckle so, shuffle yeah. yeah like you watch i'm not saying women don't tap um but men will predominantly get more knockouts do you right. know what i mean like right with taps yeah and um gears just tend to just fucking hold on in there like we're not supposed to be here doing this so you have to kind of try and defy the odds all the time. Okay, so weird question, and we had this debate. Uh, it was, I don't know, maybe a couple of months ago because there was a video that, that went viral of these two guys fighting in the street, and one of them tried to tap, and he was like, why didn't you respect the tap? <laughs> I feel like you should respect the tap even in a street fight, in right? A, yeah, I mean, like, if you watch gypsies and travelers in England, like, bare-knuckle boxing, when one gets hit... Like um, everyone has to move away and wait till he's standing up and and they say, "Are you bet? Are you like? Is, are you beaten?" And if they say yeah, then that's, then that's it. You know yeah, there's you some some honor to it. Yeah, but yeah. Like, life's not like that anymore, <laughs> is it? Everyone's going out fucking stabbing people. And yeah, I feel like you should be able to tap at any point. I, I think the problem is if somebody is about to get tapped in a street fight. They're more likely if you let them go. To say, if they have a weapon, at that point they'll be so emasculated that they'll pull the weapon out, and oh, then you're yeah. fucked. Yeah, because you let them up. Hundred percent. I just fucking kick them in the teeth and choke them out, put them to sleep, put them in the recovery position, and then run away. So, so when you get into the ring, when you get into the octagon, are you thinking to yourself, do you get into war mode? Are you like, I want to kill this person? Because I was talking uh, when we were watching the boxing match last week, mm-hmm. and you see fighters at the top of their game, especially in boxing, but I, I assume it applies to MMA. Um, when they get into a fight, it's hard to tell if they have that same rage that most people have when they get into a, an altercation or a fight, or if at the top level it's more about, like, okay, you've been here before, It's you're becoming a technician. I feel like it's horses for courses. So some people would be more methodical and have a more measured approach, and then some people are all out chaos and just want to fight. I know if I have the mindset of, You've only got to watch me out of way in or watch me when they say my name, the way that I look at them I'm, and I'm screaming, this is my fucking house. Like, I'm going to fucking end you. Like, I have to. That's how I go to that place in my mind where I'm not going to get beat. I have to think I've got to fucking kill her here now. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm not trying to kill her, but in my mind, if the shoe was on the other foot, if that girl in my last fight could have elbowed me and done that to me, she would have. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've never been in a fight with someone and they haven't, tra- apart from maybe Jillian, and they haven't done something that's wavy of, like, a point deduction or cheating. Like, everyone pulls me here, puts their eyes, it puts their fingers, like, in me, in me braids, or just does, like... I can feel, like, they've got, like, like lotion on where they're all slippery and, like, do you know all shit like that? And yeah. Just, or spits, like, the gummy out or does, like, shit, all mad shit where... That's just how they want to play. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, how'd you get your nickname? Do you know the sandwich shop, Subway? Yes. Yeah. So, I was a sandwich artist there. <laughs> so, when I was in college... I like that you use the word artist. That's what yeah. they are. Yeah. Well, artiste. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, I used to do the night shift in Subway, train in the morning at the gym, and then go to college. And, um, and that was like my life for a few years. And... Uh, Paul Rimmer, mine and Paddy's coach, gave both of us our names, and they're possibly the best names, fight names in the whole of combat sport, I think. Yeah. Um, they're the most authentic, and my mum calls me Meatball. My, I mean, like, anyone down the street in Liverpool, what's happening in the Meatball? Anyone, anywhere, 
I was saying to Dave, or I think I was saying to you the other day, even in nightclubs in New York or on the subway, hi, me, Paul Molly, that's just me, <laughs> and it's just stuck, or it is Paddy the Baddy, it's not Patrick Pimbley. Right. No, do you know what I mean? I mean, I love it. A good nickname goes a long way. I mean, that's that's branding. Yeah, well, I was just saying today on the subway, when I move over to boxing after I finish MMA. Oh, so is that the move? Yeah, 100%. Okay. Yeah. Um, will I still be Meatball? Or will I have a new name? No, you have to be Ooh. Meatball. Yeah, well, yeah. she said, are you, you fucking You can't joking? turn your back on Meatball. Got you this far. <laughs> yeah. Well, you think you're too good to be <laughs> Meatball? No, what I didn't know, like, the boxing fans are a different... They're different, you know, like... I don't know if they'll embrace a meatball, but fuck them anyway. Yeah, I think you get a knockout under your belt, and they'll call you whatever you want them yeah. to call you. Yeah. So, so what's so like? What's the transition going to be? I mean, you you clearly have it somewhat planned in your head. So, um, I started doing amateur boxing, and when I was a kid, and my weight category didn't get added to the Olympic Games, so I was like caught, and you had free weight weight categories, and I was like caught there. Right. Too, too big for this, too small for that. So Katie Taylor's weight was added, and she's like 135. And then 115 was added, but I fight at 125. So it was just too much. Right. And um, so that's when I stopped. I went to college and then fell into MMA. And I've just always had it in me. I would always come back. But um, I think I've spent nine years of my life. I've won a world title the same as Paddy in Cage Warriors, but I feel like I need to touch the UFC belt. And, I, and I've said to the team, if there was ever a point where we didn't think that was possible, I wouldn't be doing MMA anymore because it's too hard. And I'm not going to do something where I can't be the best in the world. Right. So I don't believe I can't be the best in the world, but if that ever happens... Happens, you're ready for boxing. Yeah. So, so, like, realistically speaking, how many fights away are you from touching the belt? Well, I've got five wins inside the octagon, so I only think, like, two or three more. Like, yeah. I had a push. Like, if I had two really, really good wins. I need this next fight to be a win, and I need to fight a ranked opponent. And um, I, I, I'd see, like, a, a move to match room because Dana's really good friends with Eddie and uh, Eddie here at match room. Mm-hmm. And I know... Eddie would sign me in a heartbeat because I could sell out arenas in England. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and then the family connection with Katie Taylor, it's just all, it's all there, isn't yeah. it? So, yeah. So who, like, how how is that shaping up right now in, the, in your division in UFC? Are there people that you think right now you could take? Like, without coming across arrogant, I feel as if I could beat everyone. I'm not saying some fights would be, some fights would be a lot easier than others. And some fights I'd have to go into the trenches like stylistically because of it wouldn't make it wouldn't I'm five foot three and as wide as I am tall. Do you know? So um these girls are like five, yeah, yeah, exactly. These girls are five seven, five eight and fucking stick thin, but trying to get past them big knees and them kicks and them punches is hard. But what they lack sometimes is a big bit of strength for their cardio that then comes down where mine will keep pushing and and that kind of thing. And I just have to have the Mike Tyson mentality where or the Daniel Cormier mentality of think how small they were and how they had to fuck the yeah. biggest, baddest men on the planet. So, yeah. Um I just take that in and like if you're not Shevchenko's untouchable. 
but if you don't think that you can beat them, then why the fuck are you here? Yeah. So yeah. I just think she could like give me a fucking paste them, but I could give her one too. Right. So you like, could beat anyone. That's on what, my yeah. de- like I've really shown in the last two fights my my evolution as a fighter. One f- the the one last September, I fought a gate of a ten ten inch reach advantage with my whole career on the line and absolutely fucked her with a broken hand and, and a torn LCL and my knee. And then that last fight, um, I fucking nearly killed the girl. Do with you know the elbow, mean? yeah. With the elbow, so. Um, the, the trajectory is this. Yeah. So uh, my head isn't in the clouds. Like, I'm, I'm right down there. Mine and Paddy's company keeps us grounded. We don't believe... I don't even believe the internet and all the, these kinds of pod, podcasts and things don't really mean too much to me. Well, we've just oh, been yeah, talking shit about you. Yeah, we, yeah, we've been yeah, saying okay. you can't do it. <laughs> you, do you like I'll those? I'll come and shave that fucking hair off your head in a minute. <laughs> do you like that? Do you like it when people doubt you? Yeah. All right, uh, we'll yeah. do yeah. that for you. You want us Promise? to do it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll yeah. Not, no, not, we'll... not too much, though. Just no, you sound. You, you're, like, you, you're too you're small. Yeah? Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. if you fight these top-of-the-line fighters that have that reach advantage, you know, it's one thing to do it against somebody that's not ranked in the top four, but, like, top-of-the-line, like Shevchenko, if you want to get inside... Not only do you have to deal with her on the way in, mm-hmm. but then when you go out, you have to deal with her punching you on the yeah. way out. Yeah, so I, that, I don't think that you have the stamina for that. Yeah. I know, no, I don't think so either. I'm the one who's landed the most significant strikes in our division. I mean, that doesn't, stats. That doesn't really count. No, like you don't, <laughs> stats don't win fights. Is it true you got a, a, a metal plate uh, put into your uh, elbows? <laughs> Is that true? I heard that. In both, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you were talking about like the lotion. Was that yeah. maybe rubbing yeah. off? Sounds like you know it a little you. too well. Yeah, I know. Huh? Yeah. Huh? What are the chances? We'll doubt you. Yeah. We got no problem. We're actually very good at that. Yeah. Some of our most successful friends are there because we said that they suck. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I just like to be the underdog. I feel like if you have seen any tape on me or documentaries on me, my whole life is just kind of being like an uphill battle. And when you're used to doing that from like this big. Then it's just normal, you know. Yeah. So I just think you should respect the monarchy a little bit more. You get to fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think it's weird that uh, like Americans are kind of obsessed with it? Um, a little bit because not many people have it, so it's quite like um, it's nice in in that part. But when you think about everything that they've done and the the Commonwealth and how they, I always say the word wrong, colonialized yeah. Yeah. the world and like raped and pillaged the world to own most of it. I don't know. I just don't really like that. And I think we've got a lot... My country has a lot to answer for, the same as yours does for the state of systemic racism and, like, like all kinds of things like that. And I'm just not a Whoa, fan of we it. we were talking about the monarchy, okay? I know, but Leave that's what happens. Use <laughs> a fucking massive... <laughs> we, we only did it because you guys oh, were, like, course, yeah. our parents. Like, father, like, like, son. We're going right. to set your colony you told up. Us, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, hey, why are you doing... Who taught you to subjugate uh-huh. the poor people over Yeah, but there? what about then when you kicked us out, Boston Tea Party and yeah, all that, right. which you never let me fucking live down whenever I come to America? <laughs> yeah, that's, we're 1-0, lifetime yeah. again. We got the belt. <laughs> uh, uh, 1812 was kind of yeah, a tie. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, I went the distance. Yeah. But, went to the uh, cards. It is weird, though. Like, everyone, like, you know, there's obviously a lot of uh, the, the show. What was it? The, what was the show called? The Queen? No, The Monarch? What's no. the Netflix show? What's the show? The, the Crown. The Crown. The Crown. Like there's it, a lot. You of, like you nearly fall in love with the. Yeah, it's very like, bizarre be, to me because you you see maybe the positive parts and we, like they're humanized. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. like you feel for 
like the Queen for a minute because you think, oh fuck, and yeah. then you you feel, oh well, Prince Charles really didn't love Diana and all this shit, and then you just think, oh, you're all a fucking gang. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, you guys have yeah, listen. We we do things the right way. You guys have the monarch. We have the Kardashians. Okay, good upstanding people. Well, yeah, the best. <laughs> we we elect our leaders freely and fairly. You just yeah. have to go to either Harvard or Yale and have a dad that also went there and is mega rich yeah. yeah that's how we do it but did you know that um the queen owns every mute swan in the world i did yeah and you should kill a mute swan no because that's um treason oh that's what it's called isn't it they'll like, hang you a treason to, but i don't think they'll hang you anymore but you will definitely go to prison for that and yeah. what else does she own she owns corgis corgis, oh, corgis. Not, i like corgis not, though she They're doesn't cute. own them all but she like likes them yeah, oh, it is. It is weird that we know like this one random old lady right. that lives on an island right. that we'll never meet. Where we know her favorite dog. Yeah, well, the madness is I, I was saying to quite a lot of yous like we're not taught about world history very much. We're only really it's the same as yous, Americans. We're only taught about the things we win. It's very rarely the things that we lost on. Mm-hmm. And um, and I was saying to to Ellis, kids in England will know more states in America than they will counties in the UK. Really? So, like, the countries broke down into counties and then in the county is a city. Yeah. So it's like a state. It's just a different... Yeah, yeah, I always assumed that in England you were taught about America, like, you know, New York City because that's where all, you know, like, cop TV shows are filmed. Mm-hmm. You know Texas because that's where cowboys live. Mm-hmm. And then all of California, it's a movie star. Yeah. yeah. And I, Michael Jordan. And Michael yeah. Jordan. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Where... We were kids and everything was glamorised to us with you guys and everything was bigger and better. Everyone in England always wanted the American dream. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And I was saying to Ellis, like, I remember coming to... The first time I came to America, I was 12. It was, like, September the 11th, 2002. So it was the the first anniversary. And I remember coming to International Drive in Florida and I was there for two weeks and I was just like, what the... could you imagine being like a mini meatball? Like it was like a baby six mini inch. Meatball. It was like a baby six inch sub, and I was just like <laughs> going round Universal on the Hulk ride and uh-huh. fucking just walking down the street. And then there's like Spider Man, it's just like, and I was like, wow. You're like, America's crazy. And I was like, this is fucking awesome. And then um, I came back again when I was 19 to work. I was a, a soccer coach in Virginia, and I got to see like all of the East Coast. And I always remember the first time I came to New York. I got the Greyhound from DC up and it was like four o'clock in the morning by the time I got here. And it must have been like a Tuesday or a Wednesday, but like the streets were dead and all there was was like the odd yellow cab because Ubers wasn't around then. Yeah. Instagram wasn't even a thing, it was just Facebook. And um, I just remember looking and I think Empire State of Mind song had just come out, like that album for Jay-Z had just been released and I just remember thinking, fucking hell, this really is amazing. And then... I went to Las Vegas and I was like, this is not a bit of me. I was like, get me back to New York. Yeah. But then coming back this time, it's quite tough because I feel like the pandemic has really had its way with Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's really sad because I've seen more of the the rest of New York. Like we've spent quite a lot of time in Brooklyn and like the other parts, but I feel like Manhattan was where the dream once was. And I, I don't know if it's there anymore. Yeah. It's definitely, the vibe has definitely changed a little bit just because, I mean, it, it yeah. The yeah mo- that's like fair. everyone's money, like no one has got the money. Everyone, it's the same in England. Like so many independent businesses are fucked from it, but mm-hmm. everyone's time it comes round again. Do you know what I mean? So there'd be 
a resurgence, but it was so nice to see different parts. I think we was in Chelsea and Soho and yeah. we got to, like obviously I'm gay and I got to go to the Stonewall Inn where, where Pride started yeah, it's yesterday. Very historical yeah, place, and yeah, it was yeah. like, it was really great to see that kind of thing and, and do my first pizza review yesterday. Oh, <laughs> you did? Yeah. Bleecher Street Pizza. Wait, you did oh, it with yeah. Dave or no? No, I was just oh. drunk and done it myself. <laughs> was it, uh, you, what was the score? It was Bleecher Street. Was it Was it John's Bleecher or was it just the Bleecher Street one? It was just Bleecher Street, wasn't it? Well, you got a slice? I got a slice. Yeah. What was yeah. the score? Yeah. It was 8.6, but okay, I was really, nice. really Not drunk. Not a rookie score. <laughs> no, I was really, go. really drunk. But the only downfall was it was really <laughs> floppy. But yeah. apart uh, from that. Well, they're, flop, they're yeah. giant slices there. Massive. They're yeah. huge. And then Kevin Bacon walked in. Oh yeah, New York resident. I know. Full time. The yeah. ghost man. Where yeah. are, where are the best crowds that you've seen? All the places you fought. Boston, Greenville, in South Carolina. Yeah. Um, and I don't think you ever beat in London. That last that that one that you watched. Yeah, it was incredible. Like, I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah, I've been to so many events, and I feel like Brazil. And maybe England, because we have a massive soccer culture or football culture back home, like everyone chants and sings a lot. And it's not just like, let's go meatball. Do you know, like a very American shout. like we've got songs and um, the the atmosphere. When I walked out, I just was like, fucking hell. Like, meatball, you need to go and put the show of your life on because... It costs a lot. Like no one always thinks about the price, and when you're a working class person, the tickets were like people were like remortgaging houses to go, and then you got to put on a show. And then like a, an alcoholic beverage is about twenty dollars. Do you know what I mean? And it's just yeah, it all adds up. It's about a grand just for fucking five hours of fight. So I feel like you must match that always. Yeah, and um, that's and, great. I mean, that's all fans want is for you know to because. You you go to a fight and it, there'll be times when when the fighters you know the fight game's hard because there's sometimes there's cards and there's nothing you can do about it and people don't really understand that but there's other times where it's like oh that fight sucked because those those fighters didn't really want to throw hands and they were you know more defensive so of course, yeah. you're you're the people's champ that's what they say yeah do you have a song that's written about you <laughs> I think I do actually yeah um, I've been sent a few whilst I've been in America but I've just been like. Fuck! Just let me just go and enjoy myself. Like life since landing in New York hasn't stopped. It was only Monday. We, I literally slept all eighteen hours because <laughs> been doing media training, drinking, like, drinking and dancing. Like I've been doing three thousand calories like in a club in a, like five hours on on the dance floor. <laughs> That's like more than I I done when I ran like a marathon. Yeah, that's so, amazing. <laughs> what What is your training like? Here, yeah, just dancing, just dancing, really. Yeah. Yeah. Just go out. <laughs> <laughs> now, in um, I'm going to Phoenix tomorrow for three days. I've got three days worth of training in the lab with um, with Courtney Casey and with Dean Thomas. Going to say hello, and then in San Diego, I've got about nine days of training with Jay Flo and a few of the the fighters from Paddy will here. be there. Yeah, me and Paddy. I'm going to be living with him from tomorrow. Oh, mm. okay. What's so, like? all right, yeah. Well, you guys yeah. get along? Always. Yeah. Yeah, like we have got a really good relationship. And, yeah. Um, we've done this since before we were world champions and we've done this before the losses and we've done this before the highs. And we've said this from the beginning, when me and him fight, it's always different. Like back in the day in Liverpool, we'd sell six, 7,000 tickets together 
and like you have some pro boxing cards that could never could never ever sell that many t- air tickets and you listen to the crowd when we fight it's just it's a different ball game but it's just because we're so different I suppose and um, only we know what it's like to be living through what we're living through yeah and like uh, my girlfriend and his fiance really get on so and our coach Ellis and his uh, like baby mum Michaela we've got like a good strong little six of us and um, it's good there's no jealousy there's no oh, what about me there's like go on go on that's awesome like, even when I win a fight I'm singing his name in my post fight interview yeah. do you know what I mean yeah, yeah. and it's are great you, to, yeah both of you are, are with us at Barstool are, so. you, are you close enough to him to be able to comfortably say hey Patty I love you uh, you gotta do something about the hair mm-hmm. um, I actually really love his hair but I do tell him if he's wearing like shit trainees or why are you wearing that top lad you, like you've got loads of money go and buy a new one but he won't it's just the way that he is. It's just who he is. That's funny. I love that about yeah. him, though. Yeah. Like he, um, that, he's a minge bag. That's, that's, he's that's a minge bag? bag? That's what I like about you and what I like about Patty is you guys are, you seem like you're the most down-to-earth people in the authentic. world. Authentic. Yeah, yeah. Very authentic. I just don't think we're scared about being who we are. And I think it takes a person who's courageous to be like unapologetically true to them. And I don't know. We just try and be the best us we can and represent where we're from and bring everyone with us. And, and that's it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So I had one last question. It's the rowback question. You guys can, uh, we have some shirts if you want. Q-Zips, polos, R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. Use code TAKE for 20% off your first purchase. Do you want, Dana White is a big listener of this show. Long time recurring Dana. guest. Do you want to call someone out? Well, I've got someone on July 23rd, so I'll fuck that one first. Okay. And then, um, <laughs> And then we'll go from there. Okay. But, but Dana, let's get Super Boxing going in a few years. Why yeah. not? Yeah. Okay. So, so it's interesting when you're talking about making the transition to boxing, you're a striker in the UFC. You're, you are known for throwing some hard punches. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between being an excellent striker in MMA and then being good enough at striking to be a, a, a boxer? When I box and spar, and this is a hand on heart, I fight totally different when I box than how I do when I'm in the MMA cage. The, the, I'm not fighting someone who's fucking five foot eight who cuts twenty pounds on fight week. Like boxers just make weight different, so everyone's built like me, and is my size. Um, so the fight is a lot easier. I shouldn't say a lot easier. It's just a lot easier to overcome just hands instead of knees and kicks and elbows. Right. Um, and striking within MMA, it took me until the last two fights to realise striking for MMA and how to do that efficiently. Because too much, you, you're trying to build too much of a style. And then what we did is we just sat me down and when I'm under pressure, we see what I respond with. And then we see my opponent and see how we can just chain a little pattern to to be able to beat them instead of being like, be more like this, be more like this, be more like this. So, But that was just where... I came into the game really late, so it was like, I don't know, nine fights I had in total to get to the UFC. So, yeah. I, like, I've learned a lot on the job. Yeah. yeah. All right, so yeah. July 23rd, and we'll be watching. Me and Patrick will be you, on. You so. and Patty, yep. Love it, and uh, we appreciate you coming on. This has been a lot of fun. 
Happy birthday for you. Happy Thank birthday. You very much, guys. Literally your birthday. Try not to throw any elbows at anyone tonight. I don't know. We're going to a gig. We're going to watch a, a English rapper called Dave. Okay. So it's, it's all yeah, the, I told the story on Monday's show that, like I said, I, I was like, I don't know if I'm rooting for Liam Smith and you threw an elbow right in my chest. I was like, fuck. And I was like, oh. I know, but he was a scouser. He was from Liverpool, and you yeah, could tell. Yeah, which is different. Couldn't you tell? Yeah, you could. You could. Yeah. You absolutely could. And you predicted that fight perfectly. You're like, oh, he'll he's he'll slow start, but he'll eight. he'll start to just absolutely kill him later yeah. in the fight. Um, all right, thank you so much, Molly. Appreciate no problem, it. Thank guys. you. Thank you. Molly the Meatball is brought to you by our good friends over at Shopify. Shopify is the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business so upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Shopify offers online retailers a suite of services including payments, marketing, shipping, and customer engagement tools. Connect with your customers, drive sales, manage your day-to-day. Shopify instantly lets you accept all major payment methods. Shopify has Thousands of integrations and third-party apps, from on-demand printing to accounting to advanced chatbots and beyond. Go to shopify.com take for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. That's shopify.com take, all lowercase for take. Grow your business with Shopify today. Shopify.com take right now. Okay, let's wrap up. We got Firefest of the Week. Send you on your way, Hank. Firefest of the week. Uh, my Firefest, I I've sneezed in the last three days <laughs> upwards of like three hundred times. Okay, and sneezing. You have allergies. I bitch. have allergies. Bad. I just took a live COVID test. It came back negative. Ooh, Let's go. Thank God. Was a little nervous. Um, took that earlier in the show. But sneezing in public has got to be like the most awkward. Oh, it's so taboo now. It, it, and it always was taboo, though. But it's really... Sneezing when you're driving, I think, is super dangerous. Like, I don't know what the stats are, and they probably wouldn't be able to figure out, like, the cause of death because, you know, they're probably driving by themselves. But people probably die sneezing on the road. Like, it's yeah. a very dangerous thing. And sneezing... I I sneezed. I was on the train, and I get these, like, sneezing spurts where I sneeze, like, five times in a row. And you guys know my sneeze is a little bit loud. And it's just so awkward. Yeah, like, you- it's just so, like... Unless you have a handkerchief, which I didn't have one, like you're just sneezing into your like sweatshirt, it's gross, or your hands, which is gross, and but there's nothing you can do. Yeah, like no, you can try to hold it in, but when you have allergies, like I've had allergies this past couple of days, there's nothing. You can't do the pineapple thing. You can't do the like look up or whatever. What's the pineapple thing? You think about pineapple. No, you just say pineapple. Yeah, you say pineapple. I thought you thought about pineapple. No, I think if you say pineapple, it stops you from sneezing. Oh, I thought I was thinking about pineapple. That's that's I think very it's a weird. Pete, I think it's a Pete repeat thing. Is it's it a throwback show? Yeah. You, you mean say, no? The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Pete and Pete. Yeah. So Pete repeat. Hank, if if you have like a mask, you can put the mask on, and then the mask becomes your handkerchief. Didn't have a mask. Yeah. So you were just sneezing, raw dog, and sneezes in everyone's face. Yeah. That was, wow. That was yeah. No, awkward. that is taboo. That's a lot of people's fire fest. I'm sure. It's yeah. like I was sitting next to Hank Lockwood on the train. And it wasn't was a busy train, thankfully, us. but like it was still, you know. Oh, you got you had some people who were like killed this man. Yeah. 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 But I would say even pre-COVID, it's still like one of the more awkward things you can do. Oh, how for many? Sure. How many people do you think use allergies as just a cover for being sick? I feel like every time 
I'm like, well, are you sick? There's like allergies. Well, I I know when I'm sick, but like I don't when I'm sick, I don't sneeze 500 times in two days. Right? Isn't being sick just like being allergic to a certain germ too? Yeah. So I guess it's true. It's always allergies. Like but I don't, you know, I don't, you know yeah, people yeah, do that people all the time. Like, Pollen's bad. Yeah. And, and oh, I'm always like, oh yeah, sure. Like it's I never January. Fucking pollen. Yeah. Yeah. What are you talking about? We're in Greenland, sir. Yeah. Um. No, but Hank, isn't there? So you were talking about like the the handkerchief, the people that carry around handkerchiefs. I feel like I've never seen anybody. Below the age of 50, use a handkerchief. Yeah, no. I would even say like 60, it seems, 70. Right. It honestly seems like the grossest thing ever to just like have a piece of cloth that you carry around that you just put your snot on it's and then you put it back in your pocket. It's literally before Kleenex were invented. Yeah. Yeah. You're holding on. You're holding yeah. on. But then this morning, I like, what? I guess what? If you don't have a mask and you don't have a handkerchief. You're just sneezing everywhere. Right. Yeah. It's brutal. All right. Better not sneeze around me. Like Vince, I'll Vince McMahon you. Yeah, no problem. Imagine if you're around Vince McMahon right now. He bad. would actually have, have you leave. dead. I'd have yes. to excuse myself. Yes. Um, all right, PFT, your fire fest? Uh, yeah, my fire fest is, so my 11-year-old plays travel baseball. So we had a travel baseball tournament. <laughs> and first of all, most umpires I get along with at this Wait, what point. kind of, what, what level? Of, it's high-level travel baseball. Where is this? It, well, it, it was in the, in the Nashville area, and a huge percentage <laughs> of them, not surprisingly, in the Nashville area, either listen to or currently listen to our show. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're an umpire right now and you're listening, odds are I'm going to get along with you fine. So here's Do you what get happened. along with umpires generally? I get along fine with umpires. Most of them are listeners to my show. It's very successful. Wait, can I ask so another question? So here's what happened in the scenario. Was your, was your, is your son a good hitter? My son's a great hitter. <laughs> my son's a great hitter. Here's what happened in the scenario. <laughs> Playing an early morning Sunday game, supposed to start at 945. Play the first half inning. Uh, the umpire at home play disappears. Okay? What? Disappear. I've never seen this happen before. He had to go to the bathroom. Oh. So he starts. Shouldn't there be multiple umpires if well, it's, it's just, such a high-level Little League game? It's just the and I've never seen this before. He had to go to the bathroom. I feel like if it was as high-level as you say, there would be multiple it's umpires. High level. So he Good starts point. for like 10 minutes after the first half inning. There's a 30-minute break. No game going on before this, by the way. Okay? No game going on before this. Oh, so he could have gone to the bathroom before? Could have gone to the bathroom. 10 minutes in, he decides he has to go to the bathroom. 10 minutes in. It's hot. Everyone's standing on the field. Everyone's waiting to go for the bathroom for like 10 minutes. I've never seen that happen before. Every guy goes to the bathroom for 10 minutes. All right? You're going to the bathroom for 10 minutes. You're making everybody wait. Better come back and do a decent job. He gets back. Almost immediately, he stops the game because a kid has a little small gold necklace with a cross on it. And he's about to come up to bat. And he makes the kid. Choking hazard. He makes the kid take the cross necklace off. And go hand it to his mom. This is probably why there's so many guns in our world, because religion is dead. So we're all standing around waiting on this guy who's gone to the bathroom, makes a kid take a gold cross off, all right? It's Wait, a, it was a necklace or it was a- It's a gold cross. Oh. He made the kid take a gold cross off, all right? It's only a six-inning game, by the way. So the game, I think it's 3-2. My 11-year-old is up to bat, 2-0 count. Pitcher throws a ball. Their runner's in second and third, two outs. Basically a, run, a one-run game. Pitch comes in, it's a ball. Catcher pops up, throws to third. Ball gets to third with no issue. The runner who's on third gets back, has no issue at all. He calls my son out for batter interference. What? All right. So if you've ever been to a Little League game. Wait, did he? Was he interfering? He calls my son out for batter <laughs> interference, right? If you've ever been to a Little League game, I've been to hundreds. Yeah. I've been to a lot of college and Major League Baseball games. I've never seen this call. See that's you know PFT like I know I know you've seen been to a lot of games but I remember back in Hundreds. my day like that was a relatively common call Hundreds like obviously I go to a lot you know of major someone baseball games someone firing down to the third base guy to try and you know pick a guy off isn't super common 
But when that does happen, if a pitcher's, if a batter's, you know, in the batter's box or in the way of the catcher, like that's not a that's not a crazy. There's zero call, issue. I'd the say. ball gets to third, not remotely close play. Is there any chance that this ump doesn't like your son because he most likely has lice? The third base umpire <laughs> called my son out for batter interference. 2-0 pitch. The pitcher's about to make a 2-0 count. Runners on second and third. One-run game. He ends the inning calling batter interference on my son, who's a right-handed batter, who's right there in the batter's box, and uh, he doesn't even get in the way. There's no issues. Calls him out for batter interference. Ends the inning. I'm sitting behind home plate, all right? And by the way, on the other team, after this calls two other kids because on foul balls, they let the bat go and started to run to first base. Dangerous. Okay? He called two kids out for that. So a six-inning game. He calls almost 10% of the batters out for violations. He calls my son out. I say, you've got to be kidding me. It's exactly what I said. Wait, you said you've got to be kidding me? I said, you've got to be kidding me. No swear? I said, you've got to be kidding me. The umpire comes undone. He rips the cap off his head. The inning's over. And he's like, you can talk about this on the radio if you want. But you can't talk to me like this with me here. (laughs) You're gone. So he throws me out. So I'm sitting there. By the way, I'm with my dad and mom. Wait, did you swear or not? (laughs) Wait, Marlon's man was there? (laughs) No, I forgot to mention, like, I got kicked out. My dad and mom were right next to me. Um, and I thought you said you got to be fucking kidding. Yeah, I, listen, I said I said what I said. The thing is, you're, you're, you're getting paid. The kids aren't getting paid. You should do as little as possible to actually influence the game. You've called three people out for violating rules. I've never seen anybody called out for in Little League. This is a tournament, by the way. Okay? Yeah. So these are pretty good players? You know, it's be- it's it's not like it's low level. Yes, yes. It's not like it's low level little league. I mean, it's fairly high level little league. But you're getting paid. You're professional, so you should, in my opinion, be held to professional standard. If you're getting paid, I don't care who the other people are. You should be held to professional standard. So another guy comes over, like, don't get into a big argument with him. And look, you can say, oh, you shouldn't have said, you know, whatever. I react naturally, like I would. It's an unbelievable call. It was unbelievable. So I don't even know what this guy's name is. Says you can talk about it on the radio show if you want. And. I don't care who these boys' daddies are. Like, screw you, dude, all right? You're a loser. You're a really crappy job. So his supervisor comes on and says, just so you know, uh, I need you to walk over. Can you watch from, from the sideline? Then I watch from the sideline. Listen, you could have decided that the play went on a perfectly fine throw to third was made. Kids back safely. So why are you calling the batter out on it? If you're so power hungry, you have to call the kids out for minor violations of the rule. And frankly, where there aren't even rule violations, because I guarantee if we sent the tape in to whoever this loser's boss is, they would say, yeah, he's in the wrong. So it's like in the NFL. They send the tape and they say, yeah, we hold you accountable no matter how old the kids are, no matter how old the kids are playing. That's the exact opposite of what an umpire should be doing. So that's my fire fest of the week. Wow. I got kicked out of my son's Little League you're, game. You're, sounds like you're a hero. How Let's, many people are going to listen to that and be like, we don't have any clue what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> that kid, that kid, um, that umpire, like he's – he should be. He should lose his job. Yeah, agreed. I mean, yeah, you got paid to be an umpire. You should, should be professional. Your job. No one. No one does the cell phone. S- self own, <laughs> not cell phone. Quite like Clay. Well, the funny is, <laughs> I was saying say it like the, the him and him and Ravel are enemies, but they're actually the same people. Oh yeah, like mm-hmm. they cell phone more than anyone. Yes, like the. I mean, like it just made me immediately think about the fact that he willingly was like they didn't let me on a plane because my kids had lice. <laughs> not, like just openly gave that up to everyone. Well, yeah, not only did that happen, but he he wrote like three thousand words about yeah. it. Yeah, about his kid having lice. And honestly, if you if you read that, most people's reaction was. Wow, good job by the airline not letting yes. somebody with lice, lice sit in one of their yes. seats. But it's just 
three generations of his family watching him getting kicked out of a Little yeah. League game. It's, it's I don't care how bad an ump is in a Little League it's game. Beautiful. If you get kicked out of a Little League game, high level it says league. so much more about you than anyone else. Yeah, that's that's a fair point, Hank. It was yeah, fairly high, high, it was fairly high level. It was a tournament. And his son was hitting well. Six and he was game. like, I have relationships, good relationships with umpires. Like, why are you as a fan having yeah. any relationship well, with any umpire yeah. at any level? Yeah. Now, if like you're not a coach, if you were, <laughs> that's a great point, hey. If you were like an opposing, you're just watching the games. If you were an opposing parent who also had a radio show, and you saw that Clay Travis was out here bragging about the relationship he had with these umpires and how he's got a good relationship, you would probably want to go on your own radio show yeah. to say how that's bullshit that Clay is influencing the umpires. He is. He also had a great, you know, his spin zone the next day on Twitter when everyone was dunking on him. He was like, oh, this is the blue check mark McGreed are, yeah, are, like, are, triggered, no, are triggered and outraged at it, these backs. He's like, no, we're like, you're no, just like, nothing to do about politics. <laughs> no. This is just as, as basic as it gets. You just sat and like bragged about getting kicked out of a Little League game. When people are mad, and that's thought, how you know that you're over the target. <laughs> and, thought, <laughs> and thought that everyone would, would be like, oh, my God, you're right. That umpire sucks. Like what? What? You got to be fucking kidding me! You have like, to tell us that the umpire struck a child for us to be like, yeah, you know what? Good job. Like umpires have a shitty job, dude. Like sucks. The guy, the guy had diarrhea from partying too much the night before. He was out in the sun. You know, umpiring all these kids that are probably not good at baseball because they're eleven, and he probably thought he was going to be able to make it through the game. And then after the first half inning, was like, "No, like yeah, I might like, as well just, emergency. I might as well just do this now because I'm not making it six innings." Yeah. You know how embarrassing that would be too for the umpire to have to like pause the entire game and then leave and then be on the toilet for thirty minutes. Yeah, you're know, like everybody knows I'm shitting right now. You can't even hide that. Also, breaking news: Ryan Fitzpatrick just retired. Oh damn. He'll be back. Yeah, probably. That's that's not a real retirement. No chance. Halfway through the season, somebody yeah. gets hurt. No chance. He'll be back. No chance. Um. All right. My fire fest. I I actually. Uh. It's a pre fire fest. My son's graduation. I'm putting it in quotes because it's how do you graduate from being two years old? Uh. But they invited me to the graduation and they're like speech. No, I'm not kidding. No, but they were commencement. There's yeah <laughs> the commencement speech. No, it was very funny because in the email it was like. Please make sure they're up to date on Mr. Sun, Mr. Sun, Mr. Golden Sun. And so I think that's all they're going to do for their graduation. Uh-huh. But I'm going to cry for sure. Do you know the song? I, do, I, I won't be singing. I think it's them. The kids have to sing. Oh, but you have to make sure he's up to date on yeah, the song. They were like, they were like, so here's his to, homework. Yeah, so you have to no, learn the song. No, he doesn't know any of the words. No, he, he is my son because every time we, I ask him to do something he doesn't want to do, he just says, I'll do it tomorrow. So it's like it's yeah. I mean, I, I'm looking in the mirror. It's your father, son, yeah, yeah. It's like this is you are. I can't be mad at you. You're actually smarter than me. You figured out this life hack at two and you know almost three years old that you just keep saying tomorrow and tomorrow will never come. Mm-hmm. So, so as far as the graduation goes, what, it, he's literally graduating to being three. Yes, is it? It's a I pre, was shocked pre-school. when I got the email, but I'm going to be going to the graduation, and I'm sure like it's an absolutely ridiculous thing on paper, and then I know the minute I step in the white lines. I will be crying. Yeah, that's cool though. I feel <laughs> yeah. like I feel like most parents are yeah. crying that type of situation. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing I can do. I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna cry. But it is a to- a tote. Like I saw the invite on our countertop that said graduation. I was like, what is he graduating from? He's not even in school. Yeah, it's just three hours a day. By the time you get there, you're just gonna be like inside your own mind. You're gonna be hearing the song "Landslide" by Fleetwood <laughs> Mac. Yes, and yes. You're gonna turn into a fucking no. Puddle. Probably "Cats in the Cradle." Thanks, Hank. Remember that? I'll I've never forget been it. Afraid <laughs> we have we have a great All right, numbers. Thirteen. Twenty six. No, eighteen. Eighteen. Banner eighteen. I'm gonna go nineteen. 
69. No, 61. Um, that would have been awesome. Do a fake Billy fact. Uh, oh, I, I, yeah. I don't think Billy will hear this. Someone sent me a uh, a Reddit thread that was like, post your most fun animal fact, and I want to start tracking. Oh, it's like all how consistently how many Billy, Billy starts uses? using them. Yeah. Do you have the thread? Uh, I'll find it for I'll find it for next week. I'll send it to you guys. Also, I my second fire fest of the week is I got mistaken for a woman again. Still got it. <laughs> Love you guys. <laughs>